Howard from the Perdomo Scar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Jewish State Studios in California. It's episode 257 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Nicholas Malone of Foundation Cigar Company as our special guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Dayless Race introduced another chapter of the saga, the saga of Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work. In the spirit of the standing idea of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga de Celez carries a blend of Criollo Olor and Piloto Cubano. Lapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars. Award, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend is required tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Albano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo R23, Perdomo Minutes of 70 and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Cavalier Cigars. Cavalier Cigars. Cavalier Cigars. Smoke gold, stay gold. Join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars. And on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. That's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobacconist and join that movement, which is Cavalier Cigars. They're consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high ratings by the Cigar Industry Press. You'll want to follow them on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars. They do unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, smoke gold, stay gold. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. A masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all-Maduro Black & Scars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but a beautifully balanced cigar, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your local Drew Diplomat retailer. And as always, remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode 257. Today is Thursday, February 16th, 2023. This is Will Cooper. I'm in the Perdomo Squad Studios on the Black Stage. Aaron Loomis is having internet issues right now, um, so he will be joining us later in the show. So, um, as always, the show goes on, and um, I'm going to, without further ado, I'll get right into it. I'm going to introduce our special guest 
tonight. It's been a while since we've had him on this show, it seems like, and I'm really glad we were able to get him tonight. He is the one, he's the only Nicholas Melillo, a.k.a. Nick Aragua of Foundation Cigar Company. Nick, welcome back to Primetime. Coop, great to be here, man. It's been too long. Too long. I know it's been it's been too long. Um, I you know I know we were talking before the show, and I briefly saw you. Like I think at one of the the evening galas. I mean, I briefly just saw your and then you know you get caught up, and I didn't get to see you. But um, I knew I we was were in and out about- like a phantom. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I was really proud of myself. Okay, because I was at the white dinner. And I recognize the Yellow Wednesday characters. And I'm like, I learned something here, you know, because I saw those characters. I'm like, those are the Yellow Wednesday characters. That great advertising, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, but, you know, it's kind of cool because I feel like, you know, you, you bring these products to market, Nick, but you do absorb some of the culture there. So, uh, so all good. So I felt like I felt smart. It's, it's seeped into my blood. No, it's great. It's great because they always have the Wednesday dance there for yeah. the Nicaraguan Cigar Fest. So, yeah. Loomis. Yeah. He, Aaron Loomis has made it. Made it. Loomis made it. <laughs> internet outage at the perfect wrong time. I'm in Nicaragua here and you're having you got better internet, internet than me in California. <laughs> I don't know how it works. There you yeah. go. That explains it. California. <laughs> yeah. They're banning tobacco, they're banning internet. They're going to try to make it so that you can't learn anything new. You're just stuck at the rules, right? Did you break Crazy. the news to your daughter? Did you break the news to your daughter, actually, that, you know, she may be she out? Can never buy that. She can never buy tobacco? Yeah. She, yeah. She's heartbroken right now. Sure. I know. That is crazy, man. Is that uh, – how does that work again? If you're born in a certain year, then you can't After purchase tobacco. After 2007, right? I think, is what it was, yeah. But it's got a pass still. It's not. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still. Yeah, okay. it's just, it was just. I think it was just submitted yeah. as an idea right now. So. Oh yeah, these brilliant ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had two of my sons. One day were legally able to buy tobacco, and the next day they weren't. When the thing went to twenty-one. Uh, uh they they yeah. were at that point. They were uh nineteen and eighteen. So when it happened, so uh, that's got to be a bummer. <laughs> until it got yeah until it got taken away then it was like a big deal yeah yeah so um, uh um but so no we'll, we'll send you over to ukraine now or wherever uh <laughs> yeah. hold that cigar you know yeah. having it yep yep so uh so yeah no aaron uh we uh i literally just literally started off with nick i was just telling him i Perfect. actually knew who the yellow wednesday characters were when i walked into one of the things at uh at, at puro sabor i actually felt like go. i actually felt like i learned something um with that. so it was really it was you know and i i think you know nick and i was also serious i probably would not have known about that you know without being exposed to the culture through the yellow wednesday release so uh, it and, was uh, cool. january is a, is the month where the 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 Wednesday dance actually takes place in the south of Nicaragua. It it's kind of out of the off the beaten path for the cigar festival. I think it's in Diriamba, which is south, about two hours south of Managua. And the Wednesday every January 20, 20th, 21st, uh, yeah. the festival actually takes place in front of the church of San Sebastian. And it's been happening uh, since the 1600s, imagine this uh, yeah. this dance so it's uh it's always great the uh the cigar festival gives me some free advertising at the uh at the uh, festival which is great but 
yeah, it's uh, it's 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 the heart and soul of Nicaragua, so it has to be at the cigar fest. Sure. Do do you like what I just said to you? Have you like heard other people say that to you before? Hey, look, you know, like I, I I've seen these characters that are now I've learned it because of smoking your cigar. You know, yeah, a few people that have come down to Nicaragua. I, I think if you don't come down to Nicaragua, right? You know, you never. That's what was so interesting about the Wednesday is that it's recognized by UNESCO as a literally a cultural masterpiece of the world. Yeah, I never, I never knew about it before coming to Nicaragua. I mean, you wouldn't really know about it unless you were studying, you know, Central American history yeah. or, or, or um, you know, Nicaraguan history. So. That's why I thought it was so important, you know, to to make a brand to, you know, obviously I knew uh, it would be a very a mouthful for people. But, you know, at the time when I launched La Wednesday, it's 2015, you know, nobody knew who I was either. So it was really geared towards, you know, the hardcore guys that did know who I was and what I was doing all these years in Nicaragua. And, and I knew those guys would get it, you know. Um, even though it would be a tough one to pronounce for people. But I also just wanted to represent it properly for the Nicaraguan people because it's, it's such an important part of the culture, Um, which is important for me just in general is to represent properly because I don't want, you know, I, I, I want people to be, Oh, we just started recording. Yeah. But Uh, I have the recorder going on the other thing. We're fine. So I'll grab that. I just realized I didn't have it. So, yeah. Um, it's, it's to represent properly historical and cultural, you know, things. I don't want people to, I don't want them to come across as like a gimmick or, uh, you know, people to think this term, uh, I, I'm a culture vulture as people term these days. But um, yeah, so I just want it to be properly done. Yeah. No, it was, it was like, and, and I think the, like I said, what really kind of gave it away for me was I think I was just, I had seen a picture of the Ella Wednesday stuff like recently too. So it was, it was fresh in my mind is what I'll say. Nice. Yeah, yeah no, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool that you're able to see it yeah. and experience the actual dance. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cool. It was definitely cool to see it. Um, I'd want to see looking- it again in more of a like full setting at some point. It, it was pretty cool. Uh, and then, yeah, when I, it's funny when, when I went and was doing research for my write-ups, I heard about the whole thing down in Santa Sebastian. It was like this time of the year is the big time of the year for it. It's a great, you know, uh, it's a great experience. Um, having gone down there just to see, there's a number of dances in Nicaragua. The Wednesday is one of them. Uh-huh. It's one of the older ones, but there are a number of different uh, dances. One being Toro Waco is actually another one. And I named the size of the Wednesday. It's actually, Oh yeah, Toro Toro Waco. I I use. I remember that, yeah, because that's the actual name, and I made a Toro. It's a six by fifty six Toro, which is yeah. is not something I normally make that that large of a ring gauge, but I thought it was proper for yeah. uh, for the size. Toro Waco is is similar. A lot of people confuse it with the Wednesday dance because some of the masks are are, tight, are, are similar. Uh, but that's also another dance that happens around the same time. And there's been this interesting fusion between the indigenous culture of Nicaragua and the Spanish Catholic uh, Christian culture that ended up coming, 
you know, to Nicaragua at the time. So it's really fascinating to see the the mix uh, of both, um, which is, yeah, and the colors and the masks and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no. And I think I was also mentioning in the green room, um, it was my first time back in Nicaragua in three years, and I was really happy to be back there. Um, it seemed yeah. like everyone was happy to see us back there at the festival. Even though yeah, it was man. my first festival, this is this is the feedback I'm getting from everybody. You know, like, we're happy you guys are back. So it seemed like a good thing overall. Scar industry, you know, here in Nicaragua, there's a lot of pride. And especially yeah. in Esteli, it's uh, really the the lifeline of, of the town and, and people live in, uh, on the industry. So they love seeing people come in and foreigners come in and, and celebrate Nicaraguan cigars. I think it's... Uh, it's a great place, man, because you feel, yeah. you know, there's never a time where you feel unwelcome or or like people don't want you here. It's people will will defend the cigar industry because, yeah. you know, so many people live off the industry. No, I know. Uh, you know, I so, remember when I first met you, Um, it was at Cigar Safari and I was, that was my first time at Esli. And then going back now. Uh, 11 years later, you know, I've been there a few, it's, it, Esteli's grown so much. It's that city's exploded. I think in the last 10 years, like, you know, there's, there's some modern hotels, there's like pizza huts there now. So it's like, you know, it's definitely grown that city for sure. It's crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be, it's going to be 20 years in March since I, I started living in, in Esteli. I came down March, 2003 and uh -huh. it's def definitely grown. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's come a, it's come a long way and the the traffic is is definitely noticeable yeah. compared to uh, used to be able to go from the north to the south end of town you know within 5 minutes now it takes a good half an hour i know that's not a lot of traffic for many people no but, but i've seen the difference uh, this time actually yeah. it was yeah it's yeah. Uh, it's definitely changed but yep. you know it's nice to see all of the secondary businesses that come off of the cigar industry, you know, clothing boutiques and, and different stores and businesses yep. and the entrepreneurship of, of, you know, different, different local people and investments coming in. It's uh, it's interesting to see compared to say other towns in Nicaragua, you know, that don't have an industry per se, it's tough because people don't have jobs. People, people need jobs. Yeah. People need work, man. People, this is the issue with just Central America in general. You know, we, we did move a lot of the manufacturing base to the other hemisphere and people, you know, it happens in the United States, right? New, I'm from yeah. New Haven, Connecticut. There used to be factories, my great grandparents, but everybody survived off of, off of jobs. And when that goes, you know, people don't have much to do. It's yeah. My, my grandmother would say an idle mind is a devil's workshop. That's right. Right. And yeah. It's, it's the truth, man. No, it's a good point. That's a good point. Um, you know, like I said, I was in Granada and Granada is a very different city. It doesn't have it. Their industry is the city. It seems like it's more of a tourist city. Um, more tourist. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more of the Definitely. service people supporting that. But Esteli, you know, you see the people that, you know, going to work on the buses or the bicycles. So it's, it's, it's a different, very different vibe when you go up there. It really is. And I can, I can, it's interesting because I can tell 
just based on 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 the way uh, the accent of, of particular Spanish, I can tell where people come from the South. But having been in the North for so long, going to the South, it is there is a different vibe. It's a different different feeling, uh, and it's it's definitely Granada, Leon is the beach is definitely geared more towards um, tourism. Yep. No, that's that's very true. Um, and you. You're obviously now spending a lot more time in Nicaragua, you know, post pandemic. Yeah, yeah, post pandemic, um, spending a lot more time. You know, since I started Foundation, my time I've been just running around like with a chicken with my head cut off, just balancing. You know, before I was strictly focused on the, the manufacturing, production, tobacco side of things. So to throw in the sales and distribution. Uh, side of things has been uh, it's definitely been challenging both in in operations but also just in time and managing both sides so I've been back and forth a lot more but now just because of this you know the size just managing production keeping an eye on things it's uh, I'm spending a lot more time in Nicaragua and then just with new projects um, you know we also have our, our marketing team down here um, but there's always a lot going on. That's why I wasn't at the cigar fests uh, too much because I just had so much going on. No, I can imagine. Uh, but you know, I, I, in general, I think there were, I, was a lot of people were you know in the during the daytime we didn't see them, but at night they were at the galas. So um, you know, it's kind of uh, a lot of people were. I was exhausted, time. Coop. I was <laughs> exhausted. You know, for some reason, it's it, this this industry is challenging. People think I'm just chilling, Coop, sipping on pina coladas right. all the time. And it's so funny because, as you know, the company has grown and you get more successful. People think you're you're chilling more for some reason. But I'm working more than I've ever worked before. Yep, yep. And it's interesting, the perception. You know, we sell the perception of leisure and relaxation and enjoyment. And that's definitely that becomes a challenge because anybody who knows and you guys see behind the scenes and, and what goes into the actual, you know, making of handmade cigars and then everything else that comes with owning a business. It's um, I knew it was going to be a lot of work. I never knew it would be this much work, <laughs> um, but uh, I don't I'm not going to whine too much, but it's an interesting balance uh when the perception a lot of times is ah he's uh you know he's just chilling or you know people think you're you're just kind of gallivanting or uh on vacation no it it uh they see the highlights right they don't they see, see the highlights day -day. see the highlights <laughs> you gotta see the highlights it's yeah. just amazing that people don't understand it's surprising how many people don't understand business just in like being a business owner and and yeah. what goes into that and you know, I understand more than than ever. My my family all comes from small business owners. Uh, I definitely understand my previous in, employers more than I've ever. You know, now being on this side and and going through the, you, you really don't know until you experience things, right? I mean, you yeah. can have an idea, but until you until you walk it, you really don't understand it fully. But yep. it's interesting to see how that's. You know, people kind of don't don't see that all the time and it can yeah. now I, i'm learning to accept it now and just <laughs> that people won't understand it and it's you know it, it's kind of pointless to bang your head and, and try yeah. for people to understand it 
and just accepting it. Um, but it, 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 it can be sometimes a challenge, but yeah, I'm done complaining. No, that's not complaining. (laughs) For now, for now, for now, for now. No, no. So Nick, you, um, 2022 big year for you. 2001. 2022. 2022. Yes. Big year. I, I just ran because I had a, I dropped an ash on the ground, which was not a good, <laughs> which was about, I saw a little smoldering. Don't set happening. a fire, man. <laughs> yeah, I have a Do car- not set a fire. Yeah, so I, saw, I, saw a little, I ran and go just, like, just get something to tap it. Um, but okay. You need, you need a little episode. squirt gun. You need a little yeah. squirt gun so you just don't have to get up. I didn't want, yeah, that's what I should have <laughs> did. But it was just, I couldn't reach. So I had to reach around real quick. Um, yeah, so 2022. Now, we'll get into some of the projects, but I thought there was something really interesting that you did, Nick. Great show. Opening breakfast. You sponsored it. I did. And yes. I I'm doing it again I, this year, I think. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Yeah. Here, I this is me personally, and I don't I don't want I'm not, you know, this is me personally. I loved it. Okay. I loved how you came in there and introduced a lot of people still probably still didn't know about your brand to your brand. And people who maybe knew about your brand. It was a chance to strengthen what the, what they learned, I, uh, what they may know already. I thought it was yeah. a great thing to see. I thought it was something I think the PCA should do every year, actually, after seeing it. I thought it was better than having a keynote, in my opinion. I appreciate that, uh, Coop, and that feedback. Uh, I, it, it, was, it was really interesting, and I ended up, you know, we've been plagued with being in the back of the trade show floor mm-hmm. since we started, and luckily you know, we have had some good buzz and people come to visit us, but it it, last year being interesting because the big guys weren't there. So you had this kind of combination, I think of, of us doing the opening um, and sponsoring that definitely exposed us to a lot of new retailers. And uh, the first day at the end of the show, a lot of my sales guys came and said, Hey man, uh, I had so many people that came in and talked about your, your speech at the opening uh, breakfast and they never heard a foundation and they came and visited the booth. And I thought that was really interesting. And I thought it, it, it was great, but it kind of showed that at times the way the trade show floor is set up, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the bigger guys there is what happens is, is that retailers, you know, they only have so much to spend of course. Yep. And a lot of times they don't want to walk the floor because they don't want to bring in, new brands because there's so many new brands sometimes there's so yeah. many new products that yeah. it's overwhelming and and they have so much invested in inventory and they're business owners they need to move product uh they need to to sell product so a lot of times they don't end up walking i think the floor and hence they don't you know know about a, a lot of different companies and i think that changing because of uh, the bigger guys not being there mm-hmm. the, the the feel of the show was a little bit different and you know i'm hoping you know more retailers walk the floor more and, and check out the different companies but it was it was definitely nice to address the retailers and a lot of them i don't think really understand that i was a retailer in the 90s i think a lot of them when they heard that i've been in this industry since 96 they were like what? Who is? Yeah. Where did this guy come from? Like, right. 
you know, because some people might even just have a perception of the company and the brand, but they don't really know because they haven't taken a deeper dive into what the company is about. They think it's a newer, you know, just a newer company, which it is. But, you know, I, I committed my life to this industry uh, yeah. for a long time. And um, it was cool to see see new re- some new retailers learning about the company. Yeah, I, I was observing it, too. And, you know, like I said, in our sphere, everyone knows you. We know you long time where we take it for granted, I think. But so, like, there's a lot of people who, you're still a company. It's, it's going you have your eight year anniversary this year. So you're still a new company in a lot of ways. So holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> years. Jeez. Yeah. That's my blog. No, it is. Uh, and I got, the, I got the right. I think I got it right. No, I think, I think you're right. 2015. Yeah. We, we, we launched yeah. July. I mean, we, we launched at the show July, 2015. Yeah. We started shipping in September, 2015. Yep. Yeah. So this trade show will be the eight, eight year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, and it was like I said, this was your first time back at the trade show, uh, like since nineteen. So, um, because the twenty, though you weren't at the twenty-one, but the twenty-one trade show was was kind of weird, just because that was that whole coming back from COVID and everything. So it was really twenty-two yeah. was the first trade show. Where I felt like it was back on track, you know, like kind of like a trade show was minus the big companies. Yeah, it was twenty. Uh, the year before that, it was interesting because you know I. I, I try to go all out at the show. I, for me, it is a representation of yep. the company. And I, I do personally want to go, you know, some people are like, oh, don't make a, as big of a booth and make that. This is not me and what I want to do. Right. Because it's the only time all of your customers or a lot of your customers are in one place. And it's a state of the union for me. And it's a display of where we're at in the industry and what the industry means to us as foundation, the company and you know, what it's all about. So I want to, I want to put my best foot forward um, and really go, go at it. And the show that year, it was February. It was still uncertain whether there was going to be the show. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm planning for the show now. You know, sure. I got things in the works right now that need to be well in the works this whole past year right. if they're going to make uh, make the show, especially, you know, when it comes to tobacco, or, you know, aging blends and, and stuff like that. So by the time they made the, you know, it was COVID was still going and they made the final announcement, I said, I couldn't, I can't do it. And then I had made a family commitment and I said, you know, I missed so many family commitments. Sure. And I had to, you know, I had to not go. And then it got, you know, it got a little weird. Oh, does Nick not support the industry or something like that? Like, no, I'm still writing checks to the PCA. I mean. No, I mean, Scott, I remember Scott Pierce kind of got involved and he kind of acknowledged your support. I remember when that happened, like, yeah. which I'd yeah. never seen any, I've never seen them do that before. So, you know, they made a statement, you know, yeah. Thanking you and base. So I thought, you know, that was a good thing. You know, I, I mean, it was that's huge. Yeah. To yeah. That. I talked yeah. to Scott, uh, you know, told him it's it was it was basically, you know, the story I just told you. That was that was the deal. But, um, you know, I launched at the PCA. Sure. Um, and I'm a, I'm a brick and mortar guy, um, you know, and I understand the challenges of organizations and business and sure. and things. But, um, yeah, I mean. We'll, we'll be there this year. I think we're, this is the first year we're 
almost front and center. Uh, I think we're not in the back. We're not in the back this year. Okay. Uh, I think we're closer to, to, to the main entrance there. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to it. I mean, we always enjoy going to the show. No, I, I, it's always good seeing you uh, at the show as well, even though you're like super busy and you're like doing a million miles an hour. It's insanity, yeah. but it's great. You know, it's, I feel great that we, you know, to see all the support and people that come to the booth, it's, um, yeah. you know, if I didn't have anybody coming in my booth coop, I'd be pulling people in <laughs> by the, I'd be, I'd be harassing people going down the aisle. Yeah. No. No, it's good. I mean, you've always made time for us, and we got lucky uh, this year. We because we got we took. I think we got you when we got the early floor access this year. So our guys, the Coop guys, got there. Uh, so we got we we were lucky this year. So crucial. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was definitely crucial. That's good that they do that. That's important. It, it, it's it helped out a lot. It helped out a yeah. lot. Yeah. Many many years of complaining has finally gotten us a little bit yeah. of leeway. <laughs> it's many many years of complaining. A decade of complaining. Uh, now it's squeaky wheel. Squeaky yeah. wheel. I got eight years of complaining. Now I'm towards the front a little bit. It took it took all the big guys being out. That's now. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, please come was... to the front. Dude. Please come to the front. We need you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I geez. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good thing. I mean, again, speaking at the yeah. breakfast, going up the front. I mean, that's that's uh um a lot to say there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that was good. I mean, they, it, I think it's important. Um, you know, again, I'm, a, I, it's, a, I'm all about the industry. So it's, uh, no, it's, it, it's good to get a little recognition and, uh, yeah. and support. But, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I want to talk about some of the projects. I'm smoking the Olmec Maduro in the Toro size. Um, I am did, also. How about that? We didn't even talk yeah. about that. Yeah, and then I, and I have a very well aged tabernacle. Playing. I'm gonna follow up with. So oh, uh, that does look aged. This has got some. This is, I think, from the original uh, first when it first hit the is store. Kind of some yellow cello. Did you paint that? Yeah, uh, it's very faint yellow, but there's a little. Okay, line. all right. Uh, but this is. I know this is from my uh, box. I bought of these, so these have been sitting for a while. Uh, Did, I gotta say one thing. This lighting that I have here looks like I. I think it looks like. I, I'm missing a tooth sometimes because of the shadow. <laughs> it I, does. I, I it do actually does. It, I, I keep looking at myself. I'm like, did I lose a tooth? Uh, I uh, still have my teeth. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I, I actually, I actually had a tooth removed last October, uh, and uh, I don't. It's in the back, so I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. Um, because like uh, implants, I really always told may not be a good option for me. So I'm like, you know, now I have this. Gap. Oh man, they they got to drill down into the jaw and whatnot. Well, and that's con they're concerned about some of that with like you know history of like headaches and stuff. So it's like yeah, they, yeah, they're yeah. Saying this nerves. may not be a good yeah, this may not be a good thing for you. They said so. There's other yeah. things, but yeah, it's kind of funny if 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 I really smile big, you could see it. So I try not to do that. <laughs> um, but you know, Nick, the um, your your portfolio is is so interesting to me, right? Because because. I am kind of a, a geography buff. I'm a cultural geography buff. And you, you, you seem each of your brands hit these different cultures, you know, everything from Charter Oak in Connecticut to, you know, L.O. Wednesday, we just talked about. And then you come up with this brand, Olmec, which is like, no, I don't think I ever heard of the Olmecs until, again, your cigar kind of taught me about it. Um, for right. folks who may not be familiar with the Olmecs, 
who are they? And how did you get interested in them? I have been interested in the Omex for some time because I used to travel to Mexico every year for, for tobacco purchasing. So I think I started going probably 05, um, 06. And this area of San Andreas outside of Veracruz, Mexico, um, there's this area called um, San Andreas Tuxtal. This is where all of the cigar tobacco comes from and every you know most cigar smokers are aware of san andreas mexican right. um you know you had of course some really famous brands that come from that area and the olmec culture was just wasn't discovered until the late 30s 40s when they started discovering these colossal heads which is the image on the olmec band and box these are actually gigantic stone heads that were found uh, as people were, you know, farming and digging into the earth. And they looked at these statues and the archaeologists started coming in and said, this isn't Mayan. This is, <laughs> this is not uh, any other culture that we really know of. And they discovered this whole other culture that predates the Mayan uh, and the Aztec culture Mm. and they call them the Olmecs which means the rubber people actually Um, but the Olmecs were the first to develop the mathematical precise calendars which all the Mayan calendars come from Mm. Uh, first pyramid builders there's actually the one of the pyramids of the Olmec the pyramid of the sun it's not even completely um, uncovered it's actually most of it's still covered. And they were, as far as I researched, the first to use tobacco. Uh, as we know, the Mayans are, are big in using uh, tobacco, but the Olmecs actually used tobacco and before any of the other cultures and is really known as the mother culture of Central America. This is the same region where all the cigar tobacco comes from. And if you know San Andreas Negro tobacco, San Andreas Negro seed, from from my research, is one of the oldest seed varieties that we know of. Uh, the story, you know, of tobacco starts in Peru. Uh, they dated it 2.1 million years old. It's actually uh, a fossilized leaf was discovered. I forget the gentleman's name. He was a Dutch archaeologist that discovered this fossilized leaf they dated at 2.1 million years old and then it's said to have traveled up the americas it reached into mexico and then from there it went to the caribbean and to cuba and then it continued up through mexico into north america so the negro seed actually predates the habanesis the cuban seed So this is, I I really wanted to develop a brand around San Andreas Negro, Um, you know, work with uh, Abdel and his inventories of San Andreas Negro were absolutely incredible. And he, you know, what I, what I enjoy is that it's being fermented here in Nicaragua. A lot of San Andreas Negro is fermented, pre-fermented in Mexico, and they have a completely different way they ferment tobacco. And it's usually done in much larger fermentation piles, 10, 12,000 pounds. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it, it's it's done, I think it's done a little bit quicker that way, right? You can get the temperatures up. 
um, you can get it to, to market a little bit quicker. This is fermented here in Nicaragua. It doesn't go through that pre-fermentation uh, and then it's taken slow and steady here in, in Nicaragua. So I, I wanted to develop something around, of course, the, the Maduro, but also the Claro, because not a lot of people use San Andreas Claro right, wrapper. It's yeah. just not really, really seen. And of course, when you're dealing with whole crops, you have everything. Mm -hmm. So the Claro wrapper, you know, to me just is, it's similar, but completely different than the, the Maduro in many ways. So that, that, that's kind of what, where I started. And then the Olmec, you know, culture, just having, you know, known about it for so long, you know, first thing you're checking is to see if anybody has ever used it and, uh, you know, to check your, uh, all that good stuff in your trademarks, because uh -huh. this is a difficult industry for, <laughs> for trademarks and whatnot, but it just made total sense because this is where these, this culture has come from. And again, it's, it's something that nobody has really heard of. You, you wouldn't really hear of the Olmec culture. I mean, you would know of the Mayans, the Aztecs, the Incas, right. but it's a very mysterious culture also. I mean, there's not much known about them. The, the dates, they generally go back to about 3000 years ago, um, 2,500 years, but a lot of that is debated. Uh, it depends on who you talk to. There's some that think it goes back much further, but you know, this is generally what's accepted. Um, but again, these, they would be using, you know, these tobaccos. Um, so I thought it was a perfect, perfect combination for a brand. Yep. Now you've had, you've worked with San Andreas before, um, yes. with the wise men. Yeah. So how would you tell someone, how would you like position Olmac versus the wise man? If, you know, just someone's interested in your portfolio. It's, it's a completely different, different blend and mm -hmm. different tobacco. Besides the, the wrapper leaf, it's a completely different blend. So every leaf comes from a different farm. Um, you know, some of it has similar regions, um, but completely different, different farms. So, you know, there's so many cigars that use the same wrappers, but they're, they're completely different. Uh, and I think, I think again, Olmec, I think it's a, it, it's interesting, the Olmec, because it doesn't necessarily, it depends on who's smoking it, but it's, it's definitely a fuller, stronger blend, yeah. but it doesn't, it, it, it catches up on you after, you know, to some, it, they, it's okay. It's not that strong, but it kind of catches up to you. The, the balance is, is crucial. I think, um, I think the wise man is, is definitely on a little bit more on that medium side. It's not quite as strong, but, um, you definitely have different, different characteristics in, in the flavor profiles. Um, again, except for the, the, the San Andreas is kind of bringing it, yeah. bringing it through their similarities there in the, in the, in the wrapper, but, um, especially like the Claro for the Olmec. You know, to me, the Claro, what happens is, is in, in Mexico, when they're curing in the curing barns, they use uh, certain hardwoods in the curing barns, mm -hmm. which gives the tobacco a very smoky flavor, right. a smoky characteristic. So if you smell the tobacco coming out of the curing barns from Mexico before it goes into fermentation, you can, 
you can really pick up the smokiness mm -hmm. that it was picking up from those hardwoods. What happens is when it goes into fermentation, the heavier leaves, of course, end up getting sweeter, but it loses that smokiness during the fermentation, the longer it's in fermentation. Whereas the Claro doesn't go quite as long through fermentation. It's lighter, it's thinner leaves. So it maintains some of that, that smoky characteristic. And I, I think that's really what it, what it brings out in that Claro bl uh, blend, whereas the Maduro is, is sweeter, um, you know, earthier and a little bit, you know, heavier. Yeah. And it's the same leaf, right? It's just the Claro is fermented less than the Maduro. Correct. It it's, it, yeah. So Claro is usually on the lighter, you know, is more towards your Seiko upper, you know, upper Seiko Viso. Mm -hmm. So your first two, your first two primings, uh -huh. whereas the Maduro leaves are then coming from your higher stock position. So it. your, your, your upper Visos to your, um, to your Lijeros and you will, you know, you have that section there where sometimes they get, yeah, you half know, and half. <laughs> half and half. So you're going to yeah. have color variation on some of these, you know, some of the Claros might be a little bit darker, you know, usually the Maduros for color sorting, they'll be, you know, darker, but sometimes on the Claro you get, you know, definitely a color variation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's the same varietal, I guess. Was I guess. Correct. Was, yeah. Correct. It's yeah. Just it's different all coming yeah. from the same, you know, yeah. a lot of times this, this tobacco goes on market and it goes for sale to, you know, you know, to different factories that, that are sourcing. Um, and everybody wants the dark, you know, everybody mm -hmm. wants the Maduro. It's just mm -hmm. like, everybody wants the Viso and the Lijeros and that, and, you know, you, you, we we're dealing with buying the whole cow and, I'm sitting here, you know, blending the cigar and using the Claro. And I'm like, this is, this stuff is incredible. I mean, this is, it's very unique compared to any other Claro wrap. I mean, it's not like your Habano style wrapper uh, uh, leaves. Um, it's not like broadleaf. It's not like Brazilian tobacco. To me, it's, it's very unique, the Claro. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, people, guys go in and they, can't stand the Claro. They love the Maduro. Guys come in, they can't stand the Maduro. They love the Claro. And then you have guys like me. Like I both. can't decide which, you know, there's yeah. different times where yeah. you like just a different flavor profile. Um, mm -hmm. I'm generally personally more of a, a darker, richer, fuller bodied smoker. But I tell you, I smoke the Claros, you know, lunchtime when that mood hit, hits me, I'm smoking through boxes of, I always have, like right now I have a box of Maduros and then I have a box of Claros. I always yeah. have, I always have both. There you go. You're, you're it's funny. You led into exactly what I was going to ask you, but this, you know, when you come out with a line like this, you know, with the two options, uh, I think it, it you know, you, we've seen it for years with Padron, right? So now you have, you know, is it Claro or is it Maduro with the Olmac? And I, I kind of always think those kind of, comparisons are fun and they're good for a brand um because it gets you talking about the brand a lot 100 percent. and you're working a cigar shop and knowing smokers you got one you for all, uh, yeah you got one you for one have, one palette I mean, one for another palette. Yeah. yeah you know having worked so many events and did, yeah oh, i don't smoke maduros i only smoke <laughs> oh i smoke maduros that's what i only smoke so yeah. if you see all my brands I try to take the position for the portfolio. If you look at it, okay, I, I'm in a cigar shop. I yep. only have foundation. 
Okay, let's say that's all I got to sell. Right. And I got different customers coming through that door from all walks of life and they like something different. Do I have something for every customer that's walking through the door? But also that, of course, I got to fucking, can I swear on the show? Yeah, you can swear. Yeah, I got to fucking love these things. <laughs> and I like, I like different blends at different times. But do you, is there something, and not only that, but from price point, do I, yep. you know, I don't have a lot of money to spend. Yep. Then you have customers that come in. Oh, I, they're associating price with, with that. You know, do you have something high end? So that the whole portfolio kind of tries to, you know, infused. I know that's a, a sore subject for a lot of people, but okay. Do you have something it. for the infused? Right. And yeah. that that's kind of the, it was kind of the, the concept, but hence, Having a Clara option, having a Madura option. Sure. That was sure, a no, long winded. Was there, any, was there anything <laughs> why you decided to press this cigar? I'm just kind of curious. I always am curious when a decision is made to make a press line. I really love the soft box press, Cuban style soft box press. I don't like the quadrado, the like mm -hmm. really firm. I right. do enjoy a nice Cuban soft box press. Um, that's what I call it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, I think I'm trying to think, what do I have? And I don't really have, um, too many, uh, of the box press in the portfolio. And I just liked how it worked, um, mm -hmm. in the box and the presentation. And I went with the horizontal instead mm -hmm. of the vertical presentation. Um, I didn't want to cellophane. I can't, I say no to cello. That's my, <laughs> that's my motto. I got t-shirts coming out. I was going to say no. T-shirts are coming if no you don't already have them. Yeah. <laughs> say no to cello. I know the retailers hate me, but I, you know, if I, I can't do it, man, a lot of times, it's just, you're working with this leaf from the beginning, you know, through this process seed fermentation curing barns you know handmade and then to get this piece of poly you know in the way of this it just crushes my soul a lot right. of times so when i can get away with it i try to get away with it but with olmec i just i just couldn't do it i wanted people to i wanted the cedar i never really used cedar right and what we have here is you know this is our modification of of the Olmec head. This is, as far as my research, the oldest image of a cigar that I know of. Oh, wow. Is this image. Yeah, and that's what's in his mouth. So I ended up finding a lot of old images. Um, now it's debatable whether this comes from this period of time between the Olmecs and Mayans. Um, but as far as I know, this is the oldest image of a cigar that we know of. Um, and there's there's a few different images, but I, I thought this was a great image. Um, so I knew I wanted to use the cedar and I wanted to kind of get that cedar uh, aroma into the cigar. So you can't do that with cellophane. And then, you know, we did this beautiful, I had to go with the tray, you know, the the tray and just this whole little box. I, I mean, it's just something that, again, yeah. I got to love it. And at the same time, I'm trying to make it functional for, you know, the shops, but I'm sorry, I'm going off. No, 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 this is good. This is all good. Uh, Cause I was like, going to ask you about the horizontal thing as well. Uh, by the way, make 
photography a lot easier. Does <laughs> at trade it? Shows, okay, good. At trade shows, at, at trade shows, it makes it a lot easier because the, the nice. lights. It's because of the lights. Um, the light kind of goes a little more. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, it doesn't like kind of go all towards the top, so it actually is pretty good. And the interesting thing, okay, so the the cigar in the mouth. Um, this came up with a discussion with my wife, who was uh, we just redid our whole inventory, and okay. when we were putting the Olmax away. She's like, well. What is that in his mouth? I said, I, maybe it's some sort of peace pipe or something. I'm thinking, right? I didn't really, yes. I wasn't really sure what it was. So I was, I was, I wanted to ask you about that as well. So this is smoke coming out, yeah, of the end of the cigar. But usually, what I, what this is was happening here is that it would be tied the cigar um, okay. because actually sometimes they would use corn husks mm -hmm. to actually wrap the tobacco and they would smoke with corn husk. So it's usually tight. They didn't have any goma back then, any right. uh, non-adhesive, not odorless uh, goma. <laughs> so um, usually they would be tied to, to be uh, yeah. put together, but that is smoke that's coming out the end of it. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Like I said, it's a, it's a nice presentation. Um, it's funny. I I'll just tell you. I, I started out on the Claros, but I think I've kind of gravitated lately to the Maduros. It just seems like with me. So it's uh, you know, um, it, yeah, it happens, man. Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah. it can so, be a natural progression for yeah. some. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, no, I've been uh, enjoying this a lot, um, for sure. And um, I should have sent you guys some cigars, man, before this whole thing. I forgot to send you guys some cigars. Isn't right, that we customary? Already, we picked them up. We picked them up. We, we pick them up. Yeah, we got it from we got it from Jay Davis. Uh, yeah, Jay Davis. Oh, Jay Davis, nice. How's Jay well, Davis? I had smoked. I had smoked through my Olmax, and I'm and when I booked you for the show, I said I have no more Olmax. So Jay just sent me some. He's like, "What size you want?" I'm like, "Just give me the Toros or whatever." I'm like, "Yeah, just get me some." So I got some. I got a whole bunch. So. uh um so yeah i so don't have any in stock so i probably couldn't have sent you any <laughs> <laughs> well you got them <laughs> but, but i'm down here in nico this is how you have to get them yeah my right whole, my whole team is we're, we're yeah. waiting to get some get some up man it's it's been one of those cigars where you you you, you know sometimes it just comes together and mm -hmm. takes yeah. on a life of its own and this is definitely one of those cigars yeah i mean it, on its life life of its own yeah, we actually, uh, you know, uh, it got a lot of NGO ratings and stuff. So, I mean, it did very well. Um, this was popping up everywhere. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, it's fun to see if people put the Claro or the Maduro's on their list, too, as well. Um, yeah. So I haven't reviewed this yet, but it's very good. Um, so. Loomis gave it like a like a 2.0 or something like that. No, I've never given yeah. a cigar that that score. No, no. I gave uh, it like a 5. What's your rating? 5.5, I think. <laughs> Out of what? Uh, what is Out that? Out of 10. Out of that's, a good, that's, a, out of Nick, that's a good Just, score from him. Don't, Trust me. Don't, that's don't think score? of don't think of the hundred point system where it's got to be a ninety one or a ninety. That's not how this system works. Yeah. Loomis, on what planet is, is a guy <laughs> going to go? Oh, it's got a five point five out of ten. I'm going to try that. <laughs> I don't think Come he gave on, a seven out. I don't think he gave a seven out this year. So I'm uh, I did not give a seven oh, out. I did not give a seven out in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. Yeah. Loomis, are you secretly working for some other company yeah. that I don't know of? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say the yeah. name of it or, or mention no. the background. Yeah. No. No. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, Ben reviewed. 
Ben reviewed Loomis the Claro. This is my topic critic in the whole cigar market, man. I think everybody thinks I'm the toughest toughest critic in the cigar market. Wait, what? What did you say? I said I think everybody thinks I'm the top, their toughest critic. I think you. I think you enjoy it too. <laughs> he does. He does. Okay. He does. I'll, I'll be. The, I'll be the bad guy. So okay. yeah, I, I can well, play that role. I yeah. thought you were going to say I'll be the judge of yeah. that. <laughs> well, well, Ben, I'll, Ben I'll, reviewed I'll the, you later. Yeah, Ben Lee reviewed the Claro Corona Gorda this year, uh, this week rather. He gave it a ninety-two. He was really high on it. So, uh, so Ben, Ben's, he's got a great palate. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and we, uh, I see, I see. I think I saw Stacy Burke in the comment section over here. Is that is that right? Yep, yep. Stacy's deceptively strong. He said the Olmec. You, it you know, it, it especially that Maduro in the second yeah. half, it, it literally yeah. it, it kicks in, into you on that, uh, yeah. for sure. Um, as well, yeah. uh, it's yeah, strong, man. There's a lot of heavy tobacco in the blend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to be careful. Yep. Um, let's turn to Highclere Castle. Um, yeah, and um, you know, we have another member of the team, Aaron Nielsen. Uh, he he is a guy who smokes your cigar every day, just so you know. So uh, he okay. is, he is, I think he's the one guy on our team who has like an everyday smoke and it's the original high cut castle. So he, uh, right. Which, which Tough guys to who, get right now. <laughs> um, he, he'll, he gets them. He buys about a box. He buys about multiple boxes. So, but, uh, Good. but you did introduce a limited this year. Um, yes. talk about that. And I want to talk, cause I know there's a whole tie in again with culture as well, uh, with this one, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, we we you know this is actually one of the reasons why I I don't tell High Claire why I did the High Claire project originally uh-huh. is the great grandfather discovered King Tut's tomb with Howard Carter. He was the fifth Earl of Carnarvon. Yep, and he was the one that funded. You know, Howard Carter was one of the few that still thought that there was a tomb left in the Valley of the Kings. You know, by 1920, most of the Valley of the Kings had been dug up and a lot of the tombs found. He was one of the only ones that believed uh, Howard Carter, American archaeologist. And Lord Carnarvon from Highclere Castle is the one that actually believed in him. And he started spending his winters in Egypt because he was one of the one of the first race car drivers. And he had gotten banged up so many times from from racing that his doctor said, you have to spend the winters in drier climates. So he takes to amateur archeology, span befriends Howard Carter and starts funding the expedition for King Tut's tomb. I think they were on the last year of the dig, you know, it was one of these, I think they were five years in ready to give up. And one of the workers tripped on a step where the encampments were. And that led to King Tut's tomb. Mm-hmm. And that was November, 1922. So this November was the hundredth year anniversary. So they, Highclere asked if we would do a special commemorative hundredth year anniversary cigar and again, I, I wanted to make sure it was done properly, that it didn't come across gimmicky. So we really went deep into research and, you know, I've been working on this with my art director, Alex, here in Nicaragua, you know, all over uh, during COVID. And we 
started uh, researching the boxes that were found within the tomb. I mean, there was a number of objects found within King Tut's tomb. It's one of the, if not the greatest archaeological find of human history. And these boxes were very interesting. Uh, they would hold, you know, from, there were certain boxes that would hold organs and, and whatnot, and then also just different treasures so we ended up replicating one of the boxes that was found within the tomb. And I don't know if I have one of the boxes here. Can you guys give me one second? Sure, yeah, I think sure. I have a box. Uh, if not, I have a picture if you don't. Let's see. I think I have one. In a, yeah, actually, this is one of the original. This was the felt bag that it comes in. This was very specifically like the monogram of King Tut. So there's this design, if King Tut would see it, it would be like seeing his family, uh -huh. his family crest. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got double. So it's not supposed to have two bags, but <laughs> they were protecting it here. I'm going to have to open right. this. So we, we ended up working with my partner on the project is Lord Carnarvon from Highclere and also my friend Adam Von Gutkin, which mm -hmm. is an awesome name. He uh, actually runs Highclere Castle Gin. And we also did, Adam did a special 100-year anniversary of the gin. Wasn't like cured. a barrel-aged barrel gin or yeah. something like that? Yeah. yeah. Cured in whiskey barrels. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really phenomenal. And we worked with an Egyptologist from Yale to make sure that the hieroglyphs were, were spot on. And everything is, is pretty much exact as it was found within the tomb, except for one part of the box. Uh, let's see. This is the box. Let's see. So, yep. The only difference is the knob was was different, but the, all these hieroglyphs hieroglyphs are as it was found, except for the top part, where this actually says here Highclere Castle in oh, wow. uh, in uh, hieroglyphs, and it's okay. legit. Perfect. Yeah. Legit. Um, so I worked on a special, it's a six and three quarters by 52 perfecto, um, 12 count, you know, we only did 700 boxes and it was just something really special that we wanted to do for the anniversary of the discovery of King Tut. So, um, it was great to see, you know, the reception people, people really took to the box, um, which is great. Um, I didn't think I was surprised at the reception a little bit. Um, and yeah. Is it a it's one and done? A, it's a one and done. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 It's only hundred years only comes across, uh, comes around one time. Okay. So this was, uh, same with the gin. We just did, uh, one time release and once they're gone, they're gone. I think they're all gone. I hope, uh, I saved, save some boxes for myself. Um, but yeah, that's one and done. One and done. Yeah, Seth, yeah. Seth from my team has already smoked it and reviewed it and he's, he's quite high on it. So I'm looking forward to it once I get to that, that spot. In the list. Let, let me tell you, it's a really special blend. All the fillers are, you know, aging filler tobacco is, is crucial. I think it coming up with a, a refined blend. I think it still has some, some good strength to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's definitely a special blend, nice. uh, special size. 
my my priciest cigar ever to come out. Yep, uh, it and like I said it was. Um, I know. Um, you know the packaging though is pretty amazing in that thing. When I saw it at the trade show, it's when you see that like really up close. It it is uh. It is it is packaged like I would expect a luxury cigar to be packaged. Um, How to do it, man? This right. is all gold foil, you know, uh, just to make this box. I'm, I'm happy to say we make the box. Everything is done here in Nicaragua, which is a great accomplishment. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the packaging alone is 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 quite the challenge. Quite yeah, the no, challenge. I, I can imagine. Um. Let me ask you a question here. You, you kind of, when we started the conversation, you, you kind of said, you know, you, this is you know, why you wanted to, you know, one reason why you wanted to get involved, obviously, with the High Clare Castle folks. Um, were you, because you and I are from the same area, you're from Connecticut, I grew up in New York. Were you in New York when the King Tut exhibit came to the Met at all? I wasn't, and I've heard it, about it. It yeah. was a frenzy. It was mm. a, fr I mean, it was like, because it was like, I was, I think, in sixth grade or seventh grade when it came to the Met. And this was the. I wasn't even born yet. But that's true. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> yeah. Nick, were you 78? 78. So he's in diapers. Okay. He's in diapers then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, that, that I'm showing my age here. But, but Nick, it was a frenzy, like for a museum exhibit. There was, I mean, in New York's got tons of museums. There was nothing like it. it you were getting tickets. I remember we got tickets to go see this. And, and I remember my mom said, you, you want to go see King Tut? I'm like, yeah. Go, I go, do you know who King Tut is? I said, yeah, he's the guy from Batman. He was a villain on Batman. That's how I knew about him, right? <laughs> but this was a huge thing. Like it was like to go oh to this. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. But but it was and it was when you see it, it was one of the most amazing exhibits. I mean, it's still very much. I was so glad I got to see it even at that young age. It's like you just look at this stuff and this Egyptian art. It's like it just. Um, it's mind blowing. Uh, I mean, just uh, you have a high culture. Yeah. <laughs> operating. I mean, we don't even understand what what was going on. But uh, I mean, that was one of the most I think the most intact tomb of that stature yeah. of, a, yeah. of a king yeah and you know they're still discovering things about the tomb that tomb is not normal for a male king it, yeah. it was actually much smaller and they think it was built uh, in haste because they weren't expecting him to to pass away and they actually right. think it was built for um his wife possibly or his mother and they actually think that there's another room a lot of times the Egyptians would build fake walls or things to hide things from grave robbers. And which is fascinating because that seal on that tomb was broken. I, I think they say two times. So that means grave robbers tried to get in there. And of course they had security at the time that would fend these people away. So they must've caught, people two times trying to break into that yeah. that tomb and then somehow it was you know completely buried and law and lost for you know two thousand years um but it, they think there's actually a wall um uh, on one of the frescoes that is there that there's actually another potential chamber within that tomb i mean it's fascinating man and just that everybody knows the death mask as the famous you know, sure. image of King Tut, but he was buried within three different 
sir sarcophagus i mean that was mm-hmm. there was three golden sarcophaguses that were laid almost like those russian doll kind of things yeah mm-hmm. i mean one inside the other inside the other and then that was within a stone tomb within a wooden tomb i mean it's just mind-blowing the chariots the chairs that were found in there is just i mean the thing is a uh, uh, a wonder of the world Mm-hmm. yeah uh, uh, it definitely is have you spent time in egypt at all i haven't but uh it's one of my dream trips it's uh it's i'm long overdue okay. for for an egypt trip um my dream was to go down the nile mm. have you been uh, to, but you've been to ethiopia haven't you i just had the honor of going to ethiopia in october for the yeah. first time on a really last minute uh, delegation with uh, the grandson to Haile Selassie, who's on the tabernacle box. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a trip that was a long time coming. And I could have never imagined that that trip would manifest the way it did. First, I was on a delegation to Jamaica. Uh, the government of Jamaica had invited Prince Hermias. Um, who's the grandson of Haile Selassie, the last emperor of Ethiopia, to Jamaica for Cultural Heritage Week. And I was invited to be a part of the delegation. I was the only non-Ethiopian to be a part of the delegation. And while we were there, the Ethiopian government had called, and it was the first time since 1974 that they had called to honor uh, Haile Selassie, mm. and on the last minute, we took a uh, a convoy to Ethiopia. Oh wow! And it was amazing. Yeah, oh, wow. it was. Jamaica was a, was an honor uh, trip. We we went to uh, King's House. Prime Minister uh, spoke. He spoke before Parliament. Uh, visited Bob Marley's house. Mm-hmm. Spoke with the Rasta communities. And it was amazing. And then a day before we were leaving Jamaica, I got the invitation to go to Ethiopia. And uh, yeah. Wow, that's, that's awesome. It do was they, awesome, man. Do they, in Ethiopia, are they aware of the Tabernacle Cigars? Is this something that there was awareness there, of? There is, uh, there is awareness. Uh, Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia, has a pretty big uh, night culture and uh, music and club scene, and there's cigar bars there. And although Tabernacle is not currently being sold there, there is a number of Ethiopians that actually travel to the States. Uh, Largest population of of Ethiopians is in DC. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of cigar bars there owned by Ethiopians that sell the tabernacle and there's a lot of people that bring them back to Ethiopia. So yeah, there is awareness. Yep. No, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. I always wonder. It's actually how I, my relationship with the Ethiopian crown council started was via a cigar bar in DC, not too far from the white house called TGs, which is a great cigar bar in DC. If you're ever in, in DC TGs is, is an, amazing place one of the crown council members was in 
the shop and saw my Menelik box, mm-hmm. which has uh, a, an Ethiopian cross on it. And that's how uh, the relationship started in 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. I was invited to a dinner um, just before COVID. And that's how my friendship started. So nice. they were, um, and actually I'm, I'm heading to DC in a couple of weeks and they're honoring me with a medal uh, at the uh, the dinner in the Crown Council. Cool. That's yeah. nice. Nice. Good for you. It's incredible, man. Good yeah. for you. Good for you. I, I, I cool. That's great. Um, you know, we, we're, what's the proper pronunciation of this High Clare Castle cigar? I, I, I don't, I, I didn't say it for a reason because I can't say, I, I'm going to butcher it. What is the proper pronunciation of that cigar? Senator. 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 Yeah. Senator. Which means incense in ancient uh, Egyptian, which I it, it really translates into um, of the gods, um, but it translates as as incense. Yep. Okay. Senet her. Senet her. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Got it. I knew I would butcher it. That's why I didn't. I, try you to know, say- and that one I didn't name. I have to say that was that's a high Claire. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Um, but of the gods, um, and, and I kind of mentioned that, uh, you know, I named a cigar Wawense, so, uh, yeah. I have enough, uh, <laughs> Wednesday's easy to flow on the tongue. Once you hear it, yeah, once, once you, you get uh, it, yeah, yeah. It, until it's said to you, yeah. you probably can't make it out, but once you do it, it rolls off the tongue fine right now. Yeah. Uh, Guigwense is a good, you know, it's, it's a great pasta sauce. Guigwense. 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 Guigwense, yeah. Uh, but you, you chose to do a perfecto on here. It's Nick, do you, it seems like you love perfectos. I mean, you released the, the Macho Ratons this year. So, I mean, you, you, you last year, as so you, I, I assume you really like perfectos because you've been doing a lot of perfectos as of late. Perfectos for me were, oh, have, are, and always have been a specialty size, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, so when I was in nine, in the nineties, you know, smoking, uh, you know, cigars, this, the perfect, Vecto was always like a special cigar, right. you know, that's, that's, just, and yeah. it, it, of course, use, uses the most skilled rollers. They are yeah. very difficult to roll, um, yeah. you know, just the, the end and getting the blend right. Um, you know, I don't, I try not to make them always that they come to, you know, have that nipple that comes out too long. Right. I don't like long yeah, nipples. Right. Um, you got to keep them a little bit short because, they, you know, it, people that don't smoke, when you smoke those, you know, if you're a new smoker, you got to be careful for user error because yeah, yeah, you, they, people can mess them up pretty easily, and it's yeah. not always, you know, it's not the cigar a lot of times. <laughs> um, so it it is one of the more difficult sizes. It, it it's interesting because it it used to be one of the most popular sizes. I I'm trying to do a little bit more research on this, but you know, you're looking at the twenties early 1900s perfectos that was a common shape yeah. that was made yeah. I mean, all the old molds that i have they're all perfectos you see old pictures they're all perfectos a lot of the connecticut cigars that were actually made in connecticut there was always the the short perfectos were were a part of uh the lineup always so you know we did the david and goliath the mantra ratones um you know, it, it is a really nice specialty size. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Yeah. I mean, pyramids, it's interesting. People don't, when I, when I started smoking cigars in the 90s, pyramid was like the, that was the shit, man. Yeah. You, get a, you get a number two pyramid. That was like the most sought. You couldn't get pyramids. Nowadays, like everybody's, what happened to the pyramid? Nobody, everybody's like a pyramid. I love the pyramid. I love the pyramid. Yeah. I love the pyramid. What the hell is going on though? <laughs> yeah. You like a pyramid? I do. I, I was going to do the pyramid for the King Top one, but I didn't want to be too cliche. With it, <laughs> right. You know what I, mean? I, I didn't want to be like, oh, you made a pyramid. Oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, what's the deal with the pyramid? Why do all these people is pyramids not a popular size anymore? I, you know what I used to smoke, Nick? Those old Fonseca ones that they had years ago. Those, those like the oh, real pyramid. Yo, those were like true pyramids. They were. It was not just, yeah. Those were impossible to find too. I found the a whole bunch Fonseca. of them and one like, store. Yeah, I and I found them. I'm like, I grabbed them. Yeah. What was the name of that? Was it Pyramide? I think it was. They, I think they were a ten count box, and they would lay. Uh huh. They, they would were, lay always. They would lay foot head to head, uh, yeah, head, head to, to toe, foot, yeah. head to yeah. toe, head to toe. Yeah. yeah, always. And then uh, Avo made a pyramid, man. That was like a true uh, trumpet pyramid. But the six by fifty two cl- classic pyramid. Mm-hmm. I mean, wait a second. Now I'm confusing. Now I'm messing. People are going to get on me for this. You have the torpedo and the pyramid. I'm the sorry. Py- I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the, these were pyramids. These were okay. like taper, yeah, like those a pyramid. are the pyramids. But I'm talking. I'm talking about both of them. But the torpedo too. Nobody smokes the six by fifty two torpedo. No, they don't either. Yeah. And the pyramid is more of a unique, a very unique size. The true pyramid. Yeah. I was. I was thinking, but the torpedo nobody smokes. The six by fifty-two pyramid, uh, shit, torpedo. <laughs> yeah. Nobody smokes either. I, uh, I like I said, I've always liked that size. Um, I mean, you had the El Wednesday size of that. Um, I know. I assume you still do. So the Wednesday, I like to confuse things. This the bellic. It's the torpedo Wednesday is really even more like a bellicose. Yeah, yeah, it did have right? kind of like more of a one hundred nine kind of cap, right? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. got a one hundred nine. So. Yep. I have a Charter Oak torpedo in yeah. a fifty count cab in the Habano. It's a it's a phenomenal. You, you I'm going to send you. You make sure you send me your address after this. Okay, I want to send you guys. To, have you smoked those before? No, I haven't smoked that size. Try no. this torpedo, man. It's a six by fifty two torpedo Habano. Um, it's a fifty count cab. I'm gonna send you both, Loomis. Send me your address, man. I'm gonna, I gotta win. I gotta win your, win your wanna, uh, heart and mind somehow. Jesus, is it gonna take yeah. free stuff? Is that what I gotta do? Do I gotta mail you like bottles of bourbon? We'll is do Saka it. Ma- mailing you bourbon before like the end of the year. He killed Saka's get... stuff too. Don't feel bad. All right, Nick, I'm gonna tell you. All right. We we right. reviewed this. We reviewed this Look, cigar. It's work. I like this. We reviewed like this it. cigar. Okay. I gave it a six point three seven. What? But what I liked cigar? it. The, the torpedo. torpedo, yeah. You gave that a fucking six point seven. Six point three seven. Six point three seven. Yes. Top twenty five. You're doing dual decimal points, Lewis. Yes. Jesus. You're that's beast, how that's man. how detailed this system is. Now I get it. Now I get it. All right. All right. Well, I'm gonna. So listen. So yeah, it was good. It was a good cigar. I enjoyed it. It's a yes. sleeper. So man. we we do smoke torpedoes. Just so you know that we smoke torpedoes. I know, because you guys are a real deal. But, yeah. 
a lot of these cats now, when they say torpedo, they look at me like I got three heads. That's right. Jay yeah. Davis, 6.37. That's a huge rating. <laughs> <laughs> See what I tell you, Nick? They, they know. <laughs> They know Davis. What's up, Davis? I I do no. I really um. I know with Bear, who uh, also on our team, Bear and I love torpedoes as well. Um, we just think it's oh, a you know, a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> torpedoes are great, man. I, I mean, you couldn't get torpedoes when I smoke a cigar if you tried. On you couldn't even get them. Nobody's torpedo was ever in stock. No, I, mean, I know, forget, especially Opus X torpedo at that time. It was impossible. And, and, you know, there's something about like when you when you cut that torpedo, you know, you get that tapering effect, which I, I love that tapering effect that you get off a good torpedo or a good bellicoso, you know. Come on. I don't know what's going on. We got to bring back the torpedo. Yeah. I Olmec, know Jay Olmec, Davis. Olmec. Olmec. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. box press torpedo, Nick. Come on. Box press <laughs> torpedo. You kidding me? That'd be like I, uh, Christmas morning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, or Hanukkah a... morning. Depends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's all yeah. good. It's all good. No, I I haven't smoked that size, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you up on that. Like, uh, I got you. I got yeah. you. Yeah, make sure you email me an address. Uh, I will. I will. Yo, but that that Charter Oak, uh, that's a that's been a, mo a monster line for you. I mean, that's just. Uh, I mean, Charter I see Oak a lot. Yeah, on a life of its own. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's especially you know now it's even taking on more meaning just with everything that's going on with the economy and you know yeah. people that are having. I mean, it's just for the value of the cigar, you know. So Charter Oak, you guys know, when you're dealing with the crops, you have more yield of Seiko. As the plant goes up, you have less yield. Viso, yeah. the air of the plant's right. getting well. So you generally have much more Seiko on, you know, uh, as yield. And of course, everybody's trying to get the Vizos, the Heros. Now, within Seikos, you have varying of quality, okay? Mm -hmm. Flavor and strength depends there's some seikos that are really neutral not much flavor but they're really neutral others because you're dealing with the bottom of the plant they can get more bitter somewhere more on that sour taste you got to be careful i'm fortunate to be able to source seikos that are fucking very flavorful good body but they're they're not going to be as strong as your Seiko. Right. I mean, your your Viso and your Lijero. Um, so the, the Charter Oak blends. That's how I'm able to keep the cost down because those tobaccos are much you know less inexpensive. Um, the blend, you know, you're not going to get the diversity, uh, the complexity. I'm sorry that you're going to get from some of these you know Tabernacles, Wise Man, Wednesday. But what you're getting the notes that you're getting are incredible. It's just more on definitely on the milder side. Um, and Charter Oak is just really, you know, connected with people. I think just for exactly that purpose is to have a cigar. A lot of people are upset with me on the retail level because they don't like the prices too inexpensive. Um, you know, I, I get it, but it was shocking to me to, I just developed it you know, I didn't even think about it in, in that 
way from the retailer's perspective of it being, you know, a, a lesser inexpensive cigar. I was again trying to develop something, something like I explained before within the portfolio to have something that was, you know, more affordable for guys that wanted to smoke something every day. And they didn't have, you know, 12, 15 bucks to spend. Um, and I wanted something to cover that gamut of, of, of that price range. And also that's what Connecticut cigars, they were always, you know, lesser inexpensive cigars, but I used to smoke them in the cigar shop when I, I worked at the cigar shop in Connecticut and the owners, they would go, why are you smoking that? You can smoke anything in the store. Uh, why you smoke? Because when you smoke these things and you get them right, they fucking smoke phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so hence Turtle Oak, man, it, it, yeah, it really took on a life of its own. You might be seeing a little something at the show this year to uh, a little something, something. I'm hoping it's going to be ready, ready to go. Um, but just a little, you know, extension. But again, I wanted to cover the gamut with the wrapper shades, you know, Connecticut shade, the Maduro. And then we also have the Habano, which yeah. is right in the middle. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a special, special smoke dedicated to the Connecticut homage to Connecticut cigars of old. Yeah, no, it's nice. Uh, you know, and the Habano, the Habano, I remember came out right during the, the pandemic too. Uh, yeah, which was, which was a great. I thought it was a really. I really liked the Habano, and I thought it was a good cigar for people getting into cigars at that time. Um, that's a great cigar. You know, if you're getting into cigars in the middle of the pandemic, I thought it was a great, a great, a great one to go. Uh, Listen, it's that it's right in that mild to medium. Yeah. You know, it hits yeah. right there. You know, it's definitely a great morning time smoke. Yeah, um, but it is also a great smoke for you know, cutting the lawn, doing work around that, you know, the house outside, you know, something that you're kind of moving around doing or not, not so. I mean, I think like Loomis demonstrated that torpedo and that Habano is, is a yeah. real sleeper. Um, yeah. I think the shade, man, the Connecticut shade, I mean, the Rothschild, smoke mm -hmm. a Connecticut, smoke the Rothschild, man. I mean, it's, it's creamy. It's smooth. Yeah. I tend to have a, you know, a, or a Toro shade in the morning. You know, it's perfect with a cup of coffee. Yeah, I, I actually do like the Rothschild a lot with that. Uh, that's, that's another size I really enjoy is that, that Rothschild size. Rothschild. I mean, again, another one of those. I, I'm generally traditionalist when it comes to sizes for the most part. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I, I personally am not a huge Bring gauge, all that we sell so many six by sixty charter oaks. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's personally not my cup of tea. I usually, you know, largest I'll usually go is like a fifty four. I mean, yeah. if I go that yeah. that large, but I'm, I'm generally six by fifty two is always my size. Yeah. But I'm definitely more of a Corona smoker these days yeah. too. Yeah, and the robusto. I mean. You see, I do the five by fifty and the the robusta, the Olmec robusto, Oof. Tabernacle one forty two robusto. Yeah. Holy Christmas! Yep. Double Coronas. We sell crazy amount of double Coronas. Who said? I mean, double Coronas. 
Oh, you know how many double Coronas? Double Coronas we sell almost as more as much as Robusto and, and Toros. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, no, uh, it's that's seven by fifty-four. You got the time. Why spoil it? Keep it going, yeah. man. Yep. You mentioned the T one forty two. That that had to be a fun project for you because of the whole Connecticut angle and the hybrid seed. You know that Cuban seed growing in the Connecticut River Valley. Yeah, it's really unclear at first when that Cuban seed came to the river Valley, the, this, the 142 seed, you have different seed varieties, right? You have different seed varieties for broadleaf. Uh, the Cuban seed grown in Connecticut river Valley type 52 yeah. broadleaf is broadleaf is classified actually as type 51 tobacco in the Valley. But then you have subsections of that seed. What happens is you have the, the experiment station in Connecticut, which is basically the Department of Agriculture over the years, developing seeds to help to be resistant to different sicknesses in the field, right? That is one approach. Mm -hmm. So you're not using, uh, you know, uh, you're trying not to use as much uh, insecticides or whatnot. So the 142 seed was developed specifically to really resist um, black shank which is a problem um, in the valley a lot. So they develop the seed in the process. It makes for really, you know, healthy, strong, oily, rich tobacco. Um, mm. And, you know, hence, hence that, that, that seed variety, it's just got so much oil and so much flavor, but man, it's a challenge, man. The, the river valley, I gotta tell you, it's it's stressful man i love the river valley but it is a challenge with the fermentation uh the growing dealing with the weather and the crop years mm -hmm. um holy christmas it's it's a challenge man the weather has not been cooperating over the past five years uh you know yeah. yields just the yield. people don't really understand when you look at broadleaf in when you're looking at plants, broadleaf, if you look at broadleaf as a plant, it looks like a filler plant here in Nicaragua. It's short, it's stocky. I mean, the leaves get much larger than your typical filler plants, of course, it's but it generally looks like a, a, a filler style plant. Wrapper plants are generally six feet, seven feet, eight right. feet tall, they're less, you know, uh, the the cellular structure of the leaf is much thinner. The vein structure is much thinner. You have, you know, seven, eight, nine primings. These are wrapper plants. Yeah, broadleaf is more of a binder style plant. I mean, the reason why it's so prized amongst some of the other manufacturers of different cigars, machine maids, because they take those big leaves and they cut it between the veins. Yeah. That's how they get. A crazy amount of yields we right. can't we don't we can't do that um so just there you're starting off with a challenge yeah you know give it that's that's in a normal year to try to get uh good yields you throw on that you know challenging uh growing seasons uh it's a challenge um you know tavern last year the year before we were out of uh tab uh, 142s for almost four months 
because the tobacco wasn't ready, then you're dealing with timing of fermentation. Yeah. Two years, three years, you know, broadleaf, the, the Havana seed is taken almost three years. So there's a gap um, in timing. This is the challenge we face with Tabernacle, um, you know, is, is inventory. I mean, it's, it's, the brand has been growing tremendously. And then we're dealing with, you know, the challenges on the, the production side and curing side with, with, with Connecticut yields. And whew, it's a challenge yeah. trying to keep those, you're trying to keep those Jay Davises happy, man. Yeah, right. It's, <laughs> it, it's tough. Um, yeah, but yeah, I bet. You know, it's a. Uh, it's luckily people want the cigar. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. Um, you actually just kind of segued into what I was going to ask you. So, what is this like right now with Connecticut broadleaf? Are we in a shortage, or are we is there enough Connecticut broadleaf out we're, there? No, we're in a we're in a major shortage. It seems um, like it. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, and you know, you have a lot of other place. You know, Pennsylvania broadleaf. There's they're upping the production of that. You know, they're trying to supply the mass market because the mass market has just grown you know with yeah. the legalization of cannabis covid i mean those the mass market is growing the growth is insane yeah. um so they've really been trying to keep up with that growth and then so you have growth and then you have weather and crop yields going down um and the, you know there's not enough tobacco um not enough tobacco, not, a, not enough real Connecticut broadleaf on the market, man. I mean, we're, we're constantly dealing with this. Um, you know, I just got tabernacles. If tabernacles come in, they're gone. Right. You know, they're gone. They're gone. Um, and we're dealing with the challenges of allocation, you know, and then we only have so much. So how do we, how do you allocate? Sure. Um, well, of course, you know, it's like working a cigar store. If you're if you're working a cigar store, and you got a good customer that comes in every week, and he's been a customer of yours for a while, and you get a rare stick that comes in, are you going to sell it to Joe Schmo that walks in off this? You just see him for one. Or are you going to take care of your guy that's been, yeah. you know, supporting you? And it's the same way with us, right? We're trying to you know, we try to support not just uh, people that are just cherry picking all the time and that are, are, are you know, helping to support foundation as, uh, as a whole, because we're in this to build relationships with, right. you know, our customers. Uh, but it's, it's challenging, man, because Lord knows you want to sell, you know, you want to sell them, of course, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's um, allocation can be a challenge, but um, you know, my team has, has done a, a really good job, um, at, at balance, you know, handling that balancing act, which, which is a challenge at times. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Have you played with the Nicaraguan broadleafs at all? I know AJ's had some of those around. You know, I was actually looking at some today. Um, there's some different stuff going on. It's tough to grow here, just straight up broadleaf. Um, what's happening is, is you'll see a lot of different experimentation happening with uh, hybrids, um, mm -hmm. usually mixing in the, the Habano 
in there because again, the, the Cuban seed Habano, and when you see it growing, the leaves stand like this on the plant, right? right? Whereas the broadleaf, it's growing, the leaves are so, you're getting so much breakage because the leaves are so, so big. So the Havano helps it grow more upright. So you, mm -hmm. you have um, less breakage in the field, but then you're dealing with a whole different soil down here. I mean, you're dealing with rich, heavy, volcanic, uh, you know, more clay soil here. Jalapa's a little bit different. You have, have more of a, a you know, it's not as rich as, as Esteli as far as like the clay is concerned, but it's still very different than Connecticut where you have just this sandy loam. Uh, I mean, some of it is like, you, you feel like you're at the beach when you're, <laughs> when you're looking at some of the soil. Um, so it's tough, to, tough to take. Um, but I am experimenting with, with some, some hybrids, uh, different varieties. Uh, it's being grown, you know, they're trying to grow broadleaf everywhere. It's just not, you know, it's not going to be the same, of course. Uh, I'm not saying some of it's not going to be, you know, good, but um, you, you, you can't replicate that broadleaf in the valley the same because of that soil. Right. Connecticut shade is different because shade was so thin, you know, it, and it's much more of a neutral style tobacco because it's so thin and you have such a, a thinner, you know, vein structure, right? So the market was able to change over a period of years from Connecticut to Ecuador, and the market didn't really hiccup too much, right? You didn't yeah. see a lot of Connecticut shade guys going, oh, what the hell is this? This isn't, you know, they were able to make that shift. Uh, broadly, it's different, you know, for, for me, it's it's different especially you know pennsylvania just has more of a, a rustic yeah um, it's not as sweet it's it's not quite as uh sweet and earthy as i as i think the connecticut broadleaf is again not saying it's bad it's just not it's not the same um so it's the same with these other broadleafs but they're trying to do it and it's specifically man uh, you know a lot of it's being done specifically to try to fill the hole of the mass market yeah. So it's not yeah. necessarily the mass market is driving that, you know, it's driving because yeah. they need the they can't be like, I mean, it's tough for us. Right. We were out of uh, uh, four months out of tab 142. This was the year before last. Luckily, there's still demand for the cigar, you know, came back in and it's off the shelf again. That's great. Mass market. You know, they can't. They lose yeah. shelf space. They use They've got to get they're off to something else. Yeah. They're yeah. off to something else. Yeah. It's it's not the same. So yeah, I imagine. Yeah. Um, I think it's great that it's you know people are experimenting. Um, it's going to lead to new, you know, new seed varieties. I think you know that's what's happening in the valley. Also, is experimentation. That's what we need in the valley. Is different experimentation, different seed varieties. That didn't happen. You know. That's how that's how the valley became the valley, right? I mean, Connecticut shade was created because of the competition of Sumatra coming from the Dutch in the late 1800s. I mean, that's literally the Department of Agriculture funded the development of new seed variety, which led to Connecticut shade. Um, and then Connecticut shade dominated and we lost our innovation. 
in the Valley for so long. I mm -hmm. mean, in the late 80s, began the planting of Connecticut shade in Ecuador. And from the late 80s till now, it's all gone over to Ecuador. Yeah. In that period, there, there was no, you know, experimentation. So I've been trying to, you know, help in pushing more experimentation in the valley. It just takes time, right? Uh, yeah. And then you have to find something that's going to have attractive, you know, of course, the flavor, combustion, all that has to be on point. But then you need something that functions properly is from a factory standpoint in yields and cost sure. because otherwise factories that's why you know connecticut broadleaf is a challenge you got connecticut broadleaf you need okay you got to buy the crop okay you're only getting you know you buy a crop of ten thousand pounds maybe 30 percent is wrapper yeah okay mate okay then you got 70 percent. where are you putting the rest of it <laughs> yep Okay, then your cost, and then you're fermenting it for you got to know how to ferment it for one, then you need the time, and then you need the money. Yeah. Yep. Whereas if you can just buy fermented, ready to go wrapper, it's graded, it's all wrapper leaf, you know. Well, Challenge. Yeah. I, I bet. I bet. I bet on that. It uh people only oh if people only realize the challenge. Yep. Why I held on to these tabernacles so long. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got my I got some though. Uh all right. So we got um before we kind of get to the end of this segment, Aaron, you I know you had something you wanted to talk about with uh Joe Rogan. Yeah, I mean oh, it, it's been a big deal with Joe smoking the cigars on the show and everything. And he the, and it seems to be a lot of guests, maybe not they're not regular cigar smokers, but they'll pop in a cigar when Joe asked him if they want one. And so you you seem to have gotten uh, a good amount of play out of uh, that relationship. And so like, how, how has that kind of been going for you in regards to like maybe opening up the brand to other people as well? I, I you know, it, it, I think it's really great that Joe is smoking cigars because I think it's so important to expose cigar smoking to people that don't typically smoke cigars. And yeah. that's what I am trying to do is in general is try to expose, you know, more people outside of the normal uh, avenues to yeah. cigar smoking. Cause I think it's really important for the industry is to have new cigar smokers. So the fact that he's really, he really started taking to uh, cigars, I think around just before COVID Mm -hmm. And I think he was doing sober October, but they allowed cigar smoking. And that's around the time where he started smoking foundation. He was smoking wise man Maduro's. Um, and we had done some hand painted boxes for him. And uh, my art team did a couple boxes and he was smoking wise man Maduro's. And then I was just noticing he really enjoyed barbecue spicy food uh peaty scotches and mm -hmm. i said let me you know i think you'll definitely take to broadleaf uh when i when i worked on tabernacle there were seven blends that i developed and a number of them were box worthy mm -hmm. i ended up uh, using one of those for joe's cigar um, so I ended up making him his own Joe Rogan experience cigar 
And I said, there's a great potential that he's going to like it. It's not, you know, I, I sent him some charter oaks and a bunch of other things to give mm-hmm. to more of the novice smokers. So I'm, right. I'm surprised because it is a heavy blend. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised that no one's gotten a little bit <laughs> right, right. Or, or, yeah. or whatnot. But I mean, the fact that he's been shouting us out and, you know, giving us props has been absolutely amazing. And again, to see all these comedians smoking cigars now, mm. um, there's a comedian called Robert Kelly. He's been a big cigar smoker uh, for a long time, but he does a, a, a podcast called Two Comics, Two Cigars with Ari Shafir, who's, oh, yeah. who's also yeah. a friend of Joe's. Yeah. So to see you know guys exposing people to cigar smoking, I, I think it's it's great. Um, and I've been a Joe Rogan fan, you know, listening to the podcast for a long time. Yeah. So to see him uh, smoking Foundation cigars, it's crazy. You know, he's got Foundation ashtray right in the middle. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I got him this beautiful humidor last year at the show. Uh-huh. He he hit me up out of nowhere. He's like, I, I had made him a custom humidor uh, with Eli Blue. And yeah. I had his logo. And it was forever. It was in front, uh, below his TV. And then he's like, man, I sent him one of the uh, Sinetter boxes. Oh, wow. And he's like, man, I, I need a I need a humidor that I could put, uh, you know, boxes in. Yeah. And I was at the show when it went down and uh, I said, all right, I know, <laughs> I know, I know what, I know what you need. And I got him this beautiful, it was a prestige imports does this really nice, uh, I mm-hmm. think it's called Remington. Yep. But yep. it has yep. the humidity in yep. the, you know, it's got that refrigerator seal, which is beautiful, yeah. crucial. Whole, you know, nice sliding drawers. So yep. I hooked him up uh, with nice. the humidor and he's all set, you know, it's like nice. true, true man cave there. Yep, exactly. You That's know, Nick, spot. Yeah, I think there's been a ripple effect from this, too. This is me observing this because I remember this. Joe was starting to get into this like pandemic time. But the last 18 months, we're seeing like, you know, especially with the athletes lately. The cigar smoking ritual is becoming a lot more popular and the media surprisingly has taken to it in a more positive way. They haven't yeah. taken to it in a negative way. Yeah. And, you know, I'm starting to see articles like when these cigars sh- were showing up for uh, Joe Burrow. Like I see a couple of local papers writing an article. Like I think he was he had some LaFleurs and they wrote about like this is who LaFleur is and stuff like that. And yeah. it seemed like it started with Joe, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm just that's just my observation. It's like it it's, is interesting yeah. seeing people reach out, you know, uh, that people are watching. And, yeah. you know, we do get a lot of people in certain areas that ask for the cigar. It's tough because I make the cigar for Joe. Yeah. Sure. I, you it's know, a, I yeah. we don't sell it. <laughs> right. uh, so it's tough. You get people asking all the time. You know, I hope that happens to retailers. I always tell, you know, that hopefully that's translates into, mm-hmm. okay, hey, you know, have you tried this? You should try. Because a lot of times I wouldn't even recommend new smokers to right. to, to that blend. I would yeah. get them into something, sure. a, light, yeah. a lighter blend. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that translates into new customers coming into the store and hopefully tobacconist you know, bringing in new customers, which mm-hmm. I think is crucial because it's intimidating, man. A lot yeah, of people yeah. are intimidated to walk into a cigar store is intimidating. 
I mean, it, it definitely is. I mean, I yeah. constantly get like, like wives of friends. I know they want to go to a cigar store and, and, you know, I, I said, and they, I said, look, and they're intimidated. They actually said, I said, well, um, either meet me there or if you're going to go there, here's what the things I would ask for, you know, that, yeah. that, you know, make it a little easier. Yeah. We need a, we need a little less intimidation, more welcoming. Yep. Because yep. it's it's really important that we there's not many people that smoke cigars. Yep. And for the most part, like you said, Coop, people do not necessarily have a negative view. I mean, there's so many people that don't smoke that have a positive view of cigar smoking compared to, you know, other like cigarettes. And it's always yep. seen as a celebratory you know, act. You yeah. have a kid, you smoke a cigar. It's a wedding, you're yeah. smoking a cigar. It's a birthday, a special occasion. Yeah. So that's for a lot of people, that is, you know, what it is about. Um we just need to take the next next step to learn really, you know, the amazing process and what goes into cigar smoking. And I'm hoping Joe takes that step. Um, you know, I, I did talk about Connecticut. Ari uh, Shafir did come up to the farm, um, which is great. So to show them around the farm in Connecticut was really cool. And um, yeah, it was good. I did get to hang out with Joe um, nice. in Austin for uh, a couple hours after uh, 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 he had a show at a small club in Austin. And uh, I hung out with him and, and Ari and a bunch of other comedians and um, we didn't talk a lot about cigars because they were talking, <laughs> talking comedy. Uh, yeah, talking right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were talking shop and I was just happy to be around and yeah. uh, hanging out. And uh, actually, there was one uh, comedian, Shane Gillis, who's absolutely hilarious. If you ever get a chance, check him out. Uh, right. Shane Gillis, he's awesome. This guy is, he's unbelievable. He saw my shirt and I was wearing a tabernacle shirt. And uh, he he's like, hey, who who do you who do you got there? I said, oh, this is Haile Selassie from, and he knew all about Haile Selassie. That's cool. And that and that kind of uh, started the conversation, which is really awesome. He's a big history buff, nice. so we all just talked shit for a couple hours. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, so Nick, a couple more questions. We'll wrap this segment up. The next one's very short. The, the segment. Um, this yeah. is our cattle baron st steak question of the night, um, and this is related to meat. So this is I've been asking this question to folks the last few weeks. I want to know what is your ultimate burger? What's on that burger for you? What is that ultimate burger like? I mean, I'm a pretty simple guy. Uh, the ultimate burger for me is I really love bacon, of course. Yeah. Cheese has got to be a part of it. Um, Avocado, big one for me. There you um, go. There you go. Big I like it. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. Avocado. I gotta have lettuce, tomato. Um, I do love pickles too. I'm a big mm -hmm. pickle, pickle guy. And I kind of end it there. Um, I do do some mayo. Okay. And then I'm a big ketchup dunker. So All right. I might not put the ketchup on it. I'm like. There you go. Okay. Sometimes yeah. I do yeah. a big commitment to the ketchup. All right. Okay. I got a ketchup problem. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Although I'm now on keto, so I got I, I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the uh, lettuce lettuce buns now. 
Yeah, <laughs> not bad. But I would do bad. a I would do a pretzel a pretzel bun. Oh, there you go. Nice. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, they're they're brutal. Those pretzel buns, they fill you up too. Woo. They'll fill you up. Yeah. No, a lot of people tend to go. We've been seeing if, asking this question. It, I'm not getting a lot of exotic toppings on these things. They're, they're basic things that people are asking, like or, or saying. Around this. So it's you, you're pretty much in line with that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see any pineapples on right. pizza or anything <laughs> crazy. <laughs> teriyaki burger. Teriyaki. No, 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 no. no, no. Come uh, on. All right. I mean, whatever floats your boat, but yeah, yeah. keep it away from me. <laughs> all right. All right. So, Nick, this next question is, um, it's called the ties that bind. And it's okay. sponsored by Tobacco Air USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco Air USA, great things are happening here. So, Nick, the ties that bind, it's it's taken from the Bruce Springsteen song, The Ties That Bind. Um, and in this, I'm going to name you three things. And they have yeah. something in common. Um, in this case, I'm going to name to you three Caribbean countries and territories. I'm going to give you one hint. The answer is not tobacco related. Okay. Okay. So the three countries, or these are Caribbean countries or territories, however you want to call it. I'm going to name them. Okay. Haiti. Yeah. Cuba. Yeah. And the Cayman Islands. And what do I got to do? What do they all have in common? Haiti, Cuba. And the Cayman Islands. And the Cayman Islands. There's a threat. There's a there's a common bond between these three, and they're not. They're all. I know they're all in the Caribbean, and I know they're they're island nations, sort of. Katie's not really an island nation, but what do they have in common? And this is kind of up your alley, so I want to see if you're going to get it. Haiti, Cuba, and the Cayman Islands. So it can be like anything. Like it could uh, be anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Any, any common thing that you think any of. Any common thing that you could do. I will. I'll give you three shots at it, and I'll tell you if you're close or not. Um, Haiti, Cayman Islands. The Cayman Islands aren't French, are they? Um, they are not, from what I understand. Oh, you guys are screwing me on this one. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know the answer, by the way. I didn't tell Aaron the answer, but when you I get the answer, you get the... about. I don't know anything about the Cayman Islands. That's my problem. Mm -hmm. uh, Haiti. I've been to Haiti. Um, Think of the region they're in in the Caribbean. Think of the region they're in. In the they're Caribbean. Close to, they're close to each other. You're on the right track. You're on the right track. Dude. I have no idea, Coop. You're really, it's late and you're, <laughs> and you're hitting me. Where the hell is the Cayman Islands? It's over. Uh, I, I know what the answer is. Wait a second. You need to look at a map. You need to look, you need at, to look a at a map and you'll get the answer right away. <laughs> Why? Because they're close to each other? Well, there's, they surround some. They surround, they surround a place. I mean, uh, Jamaica. Yes. There you go. Oh, okay. I didn't know it was like that. Jamaica. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. Uh, I just looked at the map. That's the only way I figured it out because I saw it was in the middle. Because they're close right, to that Jamaica. In that, they're, they're the three closest countries to Jamaica or territories to Jamaica. Gotcha. Okay, now I get it. Okay. Yeah, 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 I knew that was going to throw you for a loop there. Uh, all right. So that, that was, was a tough one. That was a tough one. I knew it, but that's why I kind of try to work you through that one. But uh, yeah, you helped me out there. All yeah. right. So we're going to do one quick sponsor. We're going to do the sponsor break, and then we're going to talk a little more about Jamaica. That's going to lead us into a little more discussion about Jamaica. You're making me crazy. Yep. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, but quickly, I want to mention uh, Tailored Smoke, located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's Epicenter and outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Tailored Smoke is your one-stop shop for a tailored smoking experience. And by JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of Cigars of Cuba, it was leaf choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Corojo seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julio and Husto bring their very own brand to market and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Classic, each representing the Golden Age of Scars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for your Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Drew Estate, Aganorsa Leaf, and Oliva. They have the best selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. Place an order online at Corona Cigar or visit one of Corona's four Central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And I want to mention again, Cavalier Cigars. Cavalier Cigars. Cavalier Cigars. Smoke gold, stay gold. Join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars and on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. That's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. You can visit your local tobacconist and join the movement that is Cavalier Cigars. They're consistently regarded by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high ratings by the Cigar Industry Press. You'll want to follow them on Instagram again at Cavalier underscore cigars because they do unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, smoke gold, stay gold. And we're going to get into our Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars live true. So, Nick, this is a very short segment we're going to do before we wrap up with you. Um, we've talked about these cultural areas, and we, we kind of touched on it earlier, Jamaica, right? Um, you know, you have obviously a, a Jamaican uh, theme line uh, with the upsetters. But I, I, I know just from talking to you, you, you seem very enamored with the culture of Jamaica. What, what kind of attracted you to Jamaica? So people don't realize Connecticut has one of the largest Jamaican populations outside of, Interesting. uh, yeah. So it goes usually Miami, 
suburbs of New York in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, actually has it's some it was like the third i think it's like fourth largest population of jamaicans uh-huh. um, and this stems directly from believe it or not i'm not making this up the cigar industry and the connecticut river valley so in 1940 44 43 when the war was raging there was a huge demand for cigars i actually have letters from my grandfather requesting his connecticut cigars there wasn't many people to work the field. So Connecticut went to the country of Jamaica and they both made a work program for uh, Jamaicans to come and work the fields during the growing season from April to uh, September, October, because people also forget that Jamaica, uh, before there was ever cannabis on the island, was growing tobacco and making handmade cigars. So this was a very old connection. And when I started smoking cigars in 96, Jamaica was making a lot of cigars, which people don't realize. Kingston, Jamaica, uh, Hyde Park was being made in the Cifuentes factory in Kingston, Jamaica. Hyde Park in 95, 96 was uncellophaned, um, using Connecticut shade wrapper, right from the valley. The Coleman family had a ton of farms in the Connecticut River Valley, uh, Mexican San Andreas binder and filler from Jamaica, Dominican, uh, and also Honduras. Uh, you had Temple Hall. So around the same time as when uh, friends of mine in school started listening to ska music, which yeah. was uh, a music in the after Jamaican independence, Yep. Uh, you had a lot of jazz players in, in Jamaica. So Scott, Rocksteady, uh, there's this mixtape that a friend of mine that is famous amongst my friends called Mix Number One. <laughs> and so this was all happening kind of simultaneously. And I really just took to the music. Um, and then uh, I started listening to Bob Marley and it was over after that, man. Uh, you know, Bob Marley as I was starting college, everybody had a poster of Bob Marley in their room, but I really started doing a deep dive and, and people didn't really realize, you know, really what Bob, Bob was on a mission. Um, and Bob was talking about Ethiopia a lot and all that. And I was like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Why is he tell you know, all I knew about Ethiopia was starvation and, right. And then I did a deep dive into, you know, uh, that history. And it just opened up this whole world for me that never stopped, man. I'm still uh, still on the path. So October, I got to go to Jamaica with the uh, Prince of Ethiopia. It was like a dream come true, man. Yeah, so, now I see the whole connection with that. Yeah, this huge connection. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I was starting the company and wanted to do a, um, you know, wanted to do an infused brand, I actually was, went to Jamaica. um, It was February. Wow. This is now February. It was February 6th. It was Bob Marley's 70th birthday in 2015. And I was in here in Nicaragua and it was like the week of, I realized it was Bob Marley's 70th birthday. And I was, stressing out 
because I was getting ready to launch the company at the show and I was just going nonstop. I was like, I got to get the heck out of here. I flew from Nicaragua, showed up the day before uh, Bob's birthday to Kingston. Next day, walked to his house, not knowing there was this huge party and celebration, of course, at his his home in, in Kingston is a museum. And his sons were there. They had music, food, spent the whole day, hung out with Lennox Lewis, who wow. was a good friend of them. A good friend of mine was friends with Lennox. So we, we all hung out. And so the late hours of the night, at the end of the night, I see this guy, uh, they were folding up the chairs at Bob's house. And this guy pulls out a whole tobacco leaf from his, 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 his pocket. And in Jamaica, they don't smoke blunts. Really. They don't use tobacco to roll. They actually use paper and then mix tobacco in the filler with the can, you know, with cannabis. Right. Right. So they, they, so I was like, wow, where do you get that tobacco? Are they still growing tobacco? I spent the next week looking for cigar tobacco, went to the old uh, Royal Jamaica factory, mm-hmm. which was there, Maypen, where they grew tobacco, and then came up with, you know, the idea for the Upsetters infused line, which was the Upsetters was, was uh, named after an old music producer called Lee Scratch Perry, who's one of Marley's first yep. music producers. Yep. And uh, that was kind of the idea where, you know, that started. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Do, so it's, do, uh, yeah. Do you think that to, to make like, to make a tobacco ever make a comeback? At some point? I mean, I know it's used, but... Let me tell you. Yeah. I, I tried to, I almost, I, at one time, I wanted to start a factory there i i really i I really yeah i really thought of this idea of starting a factory there's just you know i went to the old royal jamaica factory it's like a ghost town uh most of the cigar industry left jamaica in like 90 there was a hurricane in 98 and then a lot of the factories had production already in the dominican there was issues with the government taxes and whatnot so everybody started moving production to the Dominican and I, I really seriously considered it, but it would just, it was a challenge. I mean, you do not have the infrastructure of curing yeah. barns, um, the knowledge, know how you had some there. Um, the quality level is just, you know, you're, you're close to, you know, 15, 20 years behind. Yeah, and yeah. I just didn't have the, it would just be, you know, it just would have been way too much. Um, so there's, there's a lot of challenges there. The Jamaican tobacco is very mild, very smooth. Um, it's just not quite at the level of like the rest of the premium handmade market. Right. And that's the chance. It would take a, a big investment and, you'd also need to bring in a lot of know-how, you know, to yeah. retrain. And so, um, yeah. Do they still sell like Jamaican made cigars like locally? Then, there, there's lo- it's, it's crazy when you go in Montego Bay, and you, you get off in the main strip, there's cigars, every like cigars right. for sale, cigars for sale. And it's a lot of counterfeit Cuban stuff. Mm-hmm. 
there is some local factories. Um, there is a small factory in Kingston. There's uh, small factories in Montego Bay, but it's it's mainly for local production and it's very small. Got it. Uh, for local production, and they're just not. It's just not at the you know the the leaf they're getting is is not um, quite at the level of of competing with the rest of the the rest of the market at this time. Unfortunately, yeah, got right. Got but you're still able to get the tobacco for the upsetters, which is like that's which is a key thing. Yeah, and it's very small quantities, you know. And I ended up doing the infusion because the tobacco is so mild and light, right. um, and it's actually perfect for the infusion style. But to make a you know to make a competing non-infused brand, it would be it would be a challenge. Yeah, sure. Um, there is some Cuban seed being, you know, experimented with, and this and that is just, it would just, I'd have to move there and I'd have to bring in people and I'd have to. So it'd be too I'd difficult have, logistically. Yeah. 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 I mean, I wouldn't be able to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You'd have to pick one or the other. I'll be, yeah. Right. Imagine being able to do both. I mean, yeah, that, would be, and, that would literally be like starting all over if you did yeah, that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. it would be cool if, if you would have wanted to do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we really cool. if I was, you know, if I was 24 again, I, you know, I might, you know, yeah. I could see that happening. But and I'm yeah. just so connected to Nicaragua now, too, just yeah. uh, within yeah. the industry. So totally understand. Yeah. 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 Um, You know, culturally, um, you mentioned Bob Marley. Is there other Jamaican artists that you're musical artists that you're into or have been yeah. into? I mean, I, I listen to a lot like the ska, like the Scatolites um, is a is a ska band, one of the original ska bands. If you've ever if you've not heard of the Scatolites, um, they're legendary. Toots and the Maytals is an old uh, Jamaican band. I, I specifically like, you know, when people say, oh, you like reggae, I I, uh, it's not like Shaba ranks and like nothing <laughs> against those guys or like the dance hall kind of music, but that's just not my style. I, I specifically listen to like a lot of late sixties, early mid seventies. Um, Peter Tosh, I'll listen to uh, burning spear is burning spear. If you've never heard burning spear, yeah. man, holy, holy cow. Burning spears. Like, really good um there's some old scott artists jackie mito awesome prince jammy um that's like dub music have you guys heard of like yep. dub music I... dub music and jamaican music dub music is really is where hip-hop evolved out of and, and a lot of the modern like uh, du- uh club music and whatnot all developed out of jamaica dub music because dub was just basically drum and bass kicked up the reverb and then at one point they were doing they would do you know you do a single and then on the back end of the record they just have the um the music without the without the uh the lyrics the vocals right so the djs they would they would use those tunes and then they would set up uh, sh- uh, speakers on the street and that's where the parties would happen. And then the DJs would talk over those tracks and they'd call it toasting. And they would, you know, they really like getting the, getting the party going, getting people hyped up, but they would start chanting 
you know, over these tracks that eventually, you know, that turned into this connection between Jamaica and New York City. Um, cool Herc, who is credited with having one of the first, you know, hip hop parties was Jamaican. Yeah. Um, so you have that connection there. So I listen to a lot of dub music also. But I'm also big on uh, there's this band from St. Croix I've I listen to a lot called Midnight. Um this the the guy, the singer uh passed away a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, he was really young. But um Midnight from St. Croix uh is a band I listen to very, very often. Uh, newer band, newer band from Jamaica, newer artist Chronics is, is a, a, a newer artist from Jamaica I listen to. He's a younger guy, but has more of that. We call it roots, roots music. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I actually mentioned Peter Tosh and Bob Marley. I, I actually, Bunny Willow is the one I was really into. Um, Bunny, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he really, that whole bridge with Scott and Reggae he was really instrumental in that they were you know the whalers bob marley and the whalers it was originally just the whalers i mean they started doing ska music um you know one of the early tracks that became popular is called one cup of coffee that Mm -hmm. was a whalers track but it was that ska which is is a much faster faster rhythm and then it slowed slowed down as Scott developed after the independence of Jamaica. So it was Mm -hmm. very much a celebratory, you know, uh, type music. It was very much faster. And then things sort of slowed down and and came to reggae. I, you know, I think it's it's such a great music to work to. That's why you always Mm -hmm. play it at the booth and have because it's it's got a steady, it really goes to the rhythm of the beat of your heart that's where where it that's the tempo um that the music is set to so it's it's a great music to work to because people you know it's never too fast or too crazy or or way too slow and people generally you know it makes people feel feel good so that's good that's good yeah and the last question tonight uh jamaican cuisine is there anything like Jamaican dishes that you enjoy that maybe we don't we're not aware of, you know. Oxtail, I mean, mm-hmm. oxtail is uh-huh. is excellent. Um, there is a drink called peanut punch that is one of my favorites, mm. and it uses, um, yeah, it's this special concoction of, of peanuts and um, uh, sometimes I think they put rum in, in it, but I I like it straight up, and mm. I don't know exactly what's in it actually. But it's freaking good. It's like a shake. Okay. Peanut nice. punch. Peanut if you ever punch. find a Jamaican, yeah, peanut punch. <laughs> yeah, it's a meal unto itself. Make sure you oh. pronounce it right, or you're going to be uh, having a bad night. Something to shoot shoot you right yeah, in the crotch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. The peanut punch. Exactly. Uh, um, yeah, but find a real Jamaican spot. Ask for the peanut punch. Uh, I'm gonna have to look for that in New York. Yes, I'll you'll find it there. I'll have to find it in New York, yeah. And they'll be like, what? How did you know Peanut Punch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Good. Yeah, man. Uh, you know what we say? We all come to the same conclusion. <laughs> uh, 
All right, Nick. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you very much for being on the show tonight. Yeah, we you. do appreciate it. Uh, time. I know it was a long day for you, and I and, uh, know you're working down there, so we do appreciate that as well. Love hanging out with you guys. I appreciate, appreciate yep. you guys having me. Yeah, it's great. Um, I hope I'll see you sometime soon, but if not, I'll see you at the trade show in uh, July. Yeah. God willing. Um, let's keep in touch, and let's try to do this uh, again. Absolutely. Anytime, my friend. Yeah. All right, All right. Guys. All right. Have a great night, Nick. All right. Nick, you too. Nick Aragua, Nicholas Melillo Foundation Cigar Company. Nick, thanks again, and we'll catch you Pleasure. next time. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. So um, Aaron and I are going to do one more segment. Uh, we're going to talk about next week's TP show a bit. Um, so uh, before that, we will get into uh, a few more of our sponsors. I'll uh, we'll mention J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, the J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District in Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elwood Hall, J.C. Newman most premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the all-American cigar, The American. The J.C. Newman Pencil Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua. It's a brick house, Pelo Bodar, El Patan, Quorum, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco R. A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newman's founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, health care, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cueva Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of that Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas core line, La Mandaria, the Patrimonio, as well as the Sangue Nueva line, and of course, the Cuevas Reserva line. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars from our Casa to yours. So we're going to get into our industry deliberation segment sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This included eight consecutive top three appearances on the consensus, the Hefla consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mikarita Tricky Chaka and 2022 with the Mikarita Saka Khan. You can visit DTT Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. So, Aaron, uh, we're not doing a show next week because uh, we're both heading in separate directions. Correct. I'm going to be a pro cigar, and you're going to be a TPA. Yes. Um, so you'll be on the ground at TPA, and I figure let's just talk about maybe some thoughts. Um, this is I'm going to kind of look uh, for some things what you're looking for because you're going to sure. be at the TPA thing next week. Yeah. So it's going to be you. It's going to be you and John. Correct. Okay. Half the team. Half the team will be there. So uh, yes. So I, I I can't wait for John's uh travel log to come to Vegas. Yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, we're gonna get we're gonna get the full travel log from John <laughs> from weather to delays, yeah, right. Sleepovers. Uh when do you guys get into Vegas? Uh we're getting in Tuesday. Uh John's getting, I think, midday. I'm getting in there in the uh late evening. Okay. Um that way we can uh get an early start for breakfast uh Wednesday morning and then get into the show. Yep. Yep. Sounds good. Sound good. Uh, so there's yeah, but we'll talk about so a few questions I have for you because I know you're mm-hmm. going into this. Um, let me just start this first question. So TP is a month later or almost a month later this year compared to last year. 
Now, do you think this is a positive or a negative or a non-factor? Um, so maybe help me with the kind of the dates. Uh, so previously at the end of January, there was, I mean, it was like, it's a little bit before Super Bowl. Um, Nicaragua Cigar Festival wasn't happening last year, was it? No, they didn't have it last year. Yeah. So it wasn't really competing with anything else at that point that I can recall. Um, I don't know that it's a, I don't know that it's a big deal. Yes. There's going to be a conflict uh, with the Dominican festival. Um, Which I don't, I don't think it's going to be a huge conflict to see. Yeah. Cause there's, you know, some companies like this is a different show. Cause not all the principals are atten- in, you know, in attendance yeah. usually. Um, sometimes it's just sales teams that are kind of manning the booths and things like that. So yep. it may not be as big of a deal here. Um, I'm going to say it's not really a big deal either way. I think it just kind of be neutral, I would say. I actually think it may be a little positive because I think actually some companies had like maybe that three, three and a half week or three to four week extra time. Yeah. They've had a little more time to get some stuff together this year. Um, That's true. It's, yeah. it's not a lot, but it, but you know, I think a lot of times when it was that last week in January, um, it's just so close to like the factories are closed down, and then there's like sales meetings, and then yeah, you're thrown right into this. And I, like I said, I don't see a huge. The big difference is you're not going to see the Dominican cigar makers at at TP this year, probably. Right. Yeah, but not a lot of them. I don't think you know when I look at the list of who's there. There's not a lot of them that were coming in for this, right? Like I don't think Ernesto came in for this a lot. Uh, I don't think Lido does. Lafleur doesn't go there. Um, maybe Abe Flores because I think he he's gone to it. Um, yeah. both. So I mean, he maybe when I think Abe's going to be a pro. My guess is he'll be a pro cigar because he's a member. Right. So I don't see a huge and like you said, I think this is more of a sales team type of show anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of the sales teams, I mean, my decision to go was close. I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't want to. I wanted to make sure we had the, the pro cigar spot, but I do get access to more people I don't get to see a lot of times at, at the uh, at pro cigar. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of disappointed. I mean, next year it's moving back. Is everything mm-hmm. I, I've heard, I think they've already booked the dates for next year, from what I yeah. saw. So it's going back to that last week in in um january and i don't know if that's going to conflict with pro sabor now yeah so that will be interesting to see yeah. <laughs> if it conflicts with pro sabor now i think that would be the worst version of it because there's probably more nicaraguan cigar makers that would attend just because the quantity of you know brands that come out of nicaragua is higher so and, and know, that might bo- be yeah there's different. more boutique guys who go to yeah 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 i i think that would actually have more more of an impact with that i think you're 100 percent right with that yeah so I know this is something like, you know, we talk about on recap shows. I'll mm-hmm. ask you, you know, what cigar and what brand are you looking forward to seeing a TPE this year? Is there a cigar and is there a brand? See, I don't feel like there's a lot of cigars that are like, this is not how it is at PCA where there's like a flood of new releases that are being showcased at this trade show. Mm-hmm. There are some, uh, but I don't think that's the draw. For this show um so i think the the uh the pool of cigars that you can pick from are, is pretty small mm-hmm. uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna pick oh i'm gonna name two cigars i'm not saying that these are the best cigars right like that they just they interest me and i'll explain why 
Mm-hmm. Um, the first is the Casa 1910 uh, Soldadera edition. Yep, um, chance to smoke already. So I think it's, it's interesting. Yeah. The reason I'm interested in is because it's coming out of Tabacalera La Isla. Yep. Which I've been um, I've been intrigued by how that new factory has been, you know, producing some cigars and kind of it's already. I, I've seen an upward trajectory with I, I have too. I, I def- so yep. I'm excited to see kind of how they combine with Casa yep. 1910. Um, because uh, you know, Casa 1910 has had a um kind of a big launch for a new brand, right? There's a lot of money behind them. The cigars yep. are fairly expensive. I don't know that they've really lived up to the price of the cigars. So I'm curious to see this third iteration kind of if maybe it comes together for them you know, using this factory that I've seen kind of, yeah. that, you know, I've kind of been on, on the watch for. So that's kind of got a, a bit of intrigue for me. Um, the other cigar is uh, from one of your sponsors, Cavalier Geneva. Um, this uh, Trace Delinquentes, which yep. they have, which is kind of a, a value price cigar. Um, you know, three versions of it. I think it's Connecticut Habano Maduro. Uh-huh. I, I'm always curious when a brand um, that has a track record um wants to release a kind of a value line like this um just to see you know is it just for them to try to get people to come in at a lower price to try the rest of the portfolio or are they really trying to um show what they can do in that lower price point but still provide a lot of value to you so i'm i'm curious to see what the what these cigars are like i'm hoping it's the latter and not just a a gateway into the portfolio for people that smoke lower price cigars i guess agree yeah i agree with that too um yeah i have a, I have a couple i'll add on mine okay one came, one was announced today and uh was sort of announced today it wasn't announced to the world but it was announced to uh ca but um it, it probably is the one that caught my attention the most uh the hvc selection number one natural mm. so um they're going with um i believe they're going I believe it's a Habano wrapper to go on with this one on. Okay. Um, you know, I think the number one was certainly a cigar that really grew on me last year. Um, that was the uh, Maduro that they did. Um, yes. and like I said, I had it originally at the show, but it really, really grew on me. Um, and now they're going with the, uh, the, yeah, the Ecuadorian Habano wrapper on this. So I mm-hmm. want to see, and apparently it's a very sim, it's similar sizes and everything. Uh, it's like in a yellow box instead of a green box. Yeah. Um, so I'm really curious to see, because I think, look, I think Rainier did well with that cigar. Yeah. I was a little on the fence with that cigar at first, but I think it aged out pretty nice. Um, the, so I'm kind of curious to see what they're going to do with this cigar. It's like, that's something that I'm quite intrigued with. So, yeah. um, that's, that's that. And then the brand, you mentioned the brand already was Casa 1910. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to smoke those cigars. They were young. Uh, I yeah. mean, Hostos actually asked me, and I was really honest. I said, Hostos, they were young. I mean, when we had them, but, you know, I kind of went into that, and I saw a lot of potential with these cigars, in my opinion. So um, you're right, Tobacco or Isla. Um, I, I got high on Tobacco or Isla when La Serena came out with their Maduro, the Mexican cigar. Right. I thought that was where it started to turn a little more, where I started to see these blends get better. Um, and then the second Matilde, I liked better out of that that factory too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think you know, you know, it's a new factory. You, you can't hit a home run first time out of the gate with it. But I think you know, there's definitely some improvement happening with that. Yeah. Um, as well. So, 
Um, I mean, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of uh, um, samplers, <laughs> uh, yeah. color color extensions, accessories. <laughs> I did, yeah. uh, um, but I think you know, but I think samplers make sense for TPE. I mean, I actually don't think that's a bad thing to go into TPE with a sampler. If you're yeah, trying, yeah, I mean, to, I I, I kind of said this in our, in our yeah. media chat today, but uh, for the majority of retail attendees that go to this show are not cigar shop owners. No, um, they are other stores. Um, you know, it's convenience stores. Um, you know, other other industries maybe around different things that where cigars are, uh, you know, not the primary uh say sale and uh these types of packaging when they're you know humidified packaging or sampler packs things like that those are a way for these brands to get into those stores um and i think the you know the brands are open to selling to and getting reach to other consumers so that's a um, that's that's the audience for this show um and that's the way for these brands to kind of make that introduction to them i think yeah no, i agree uh, I'm definitely curious to see what all the big four is going to do this year yeah. as well. Now, last year, it's this is how I took it, that it was like Drew State had a pretty big presence. Altidus had a decent-sized presence. And then Davidoff and general STG works, very small presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder, if they'll, I wonder if they'll up some of those sizes, maybe a general this year. Yeah, that's. I'll be curious to see what kind of what their, what their presence was like. When when I asked Justin if he was gonna, you know, like he, you know, he got all upset that I was getting, you know, special treatment last year, yeah. right? I said, yeah. "Well, you're gonna be treating, yeah, I'm going to be there." And he said, "No, I got to go to TPE." He goes, yeah. <laughs> "So he goes, I'm not gonna be a pro cigar." I said, "Thanks, Justin." Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm not gonna get that. So I'm kind of curious to see that as well. Let me let me jump ahead to this next question, and then we'll kind of go back. So the big change this year is it's now the Total Product Expo. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have interest in seeing these total product, like these candy products or anything yes. like that? So you do have interest in hundred percent. Okay. I am in, I am in for the snacks. If they okay. have snack vendors, I looked at the floral plan. I didn't see a single one. Um, so I don't know if they're under other names that don't pop out to me, but I'm seeing like all the funky names that you would expect to go with all these other products that I don't have interest in, you know, like right. the, the vape, like all these other things, like you know, they yeah. have funky names and stuff like that. So I'm looking through these, and maybe I'm just like I'm seeing like 20 in a row, so I gloss over a couple and I miss the snack guys. But I'm in for the snacks. You know, our site is not tied to just cigars; it's about flavor. So if I can about get flavor, yeah. the snack yeah. side of the business, I'm all in. So I may spend if I find the boost. The cigar guys might not see me for a while if I'm going to be able to schmooze with those people. So. Yeah, I mean, but you're not really interested in the alternative tobacco products. No, we do. Uh, John and I w- do walk the entire floor uh, uh-huh. while we're there because we do want to see what is out there. Um, I'm just always curious of the the vibe of the show. Like, you know, I don't want to just kind of sit in that. I don't right. know. I think we had red the red carpet side. I think we're right. the red carpet. I don't. I don't want to stay in that zone mm-hmm. and like not venture out. So sure. we'll do the whole floor. We'll check out everything. I'm out. Like I'm always curious about like booth ideas or booth designs, like seeing what people are doing, crazy things, and you know, um, some very creative stuff that that happens at that show. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll venture out and kind of take a spin and see how things look. Um, but yeah, most of most of the stuff that's outside of the cigar area, I don't have interest in. But if there are other other things, I will try to check them out. 
Nice. That's cool. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to hear some of the reports back. Like, if you know, there's uh, what's like, so there's not like if I went, like, there's not Coca Cola there, is what I'm saying, right? They're not, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't know what to expect really. Uh, when they said that it was like other stuff, and then they kind of used, I think, snacks as a thing, you know, but um, since some of these are convenience stores and things like that, I would imagine that that would be something that would be there, but I, I really don't know. And I have to be careful because I don't want to, you know, I like I need to a clear delineation of what what the ingredients are because I don't want to mix uh, you know, just get caught off on the wrong booth with something and something that I don't want to have in there. So Yeah. Yeah. I didn't look at the floor plan with that, but I'm wondering if it's a lot of boutique type cigar, like stuff boutique boutique snacks, like something that's you know not yeah, really national. Maybe. Maybe national like that. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see if there's any regional stuff maybe is going to be there. Yeah. Um, yep. Is there a party this year? There is. Uh, so Wednesday night, it's the same. I think the same setup as last year. It's uh, uh-huh. the same, the pool. Uh, there was a pool, right? Yeah, there was a pool. Yeah. Um, yeah, same thing with the pool. I'm going to imagine it's going to be very similar. Uh, the music is so loud. You can barely hold a conversation with anybody. Yeah. Um, food's pretty good um so yeah it's kind of weird it's um you know we complain about how hot it is in vegas in july but uh it does get cold in vegas uh, it's a month been... later than last year but it's still get a little cool but um yeah i mean the the party isn't my favorite thing uh I yeah still, the music is just far far too loud i don't even know if when i was young i would like it that loud it's just yeah. it's really you can't talk to the person standing right next to you and you can be on the complete opposite side of where the speakers are at it's just it's crazy that was you know i didn't really write about this with the poro sabor stuff that was the big negative of poro sabor for me was the loud music and you couldn't have a conversation yeah uh and a lot and well i wasn't the only one to complain about that by the way um so it, it was like the, the last night was interesting that we had it when we were at the oliva place it was so big you were able to you were able to navigate to other parts. It's like a compound. So there was so many other areas you can go to. You could get away from that music, which was nice. But yeah, I, I don't really enjoy these. I don't enjoy loud and crowds. I mean, loud and crowds are just immediately a, uh, a yeah. turnoff for me. Um, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm in that same boat as you. Um, yeah, what, and you also have to remember like the, the attendees of the event, you know, um, you know the, the majority of the attendees for the event are for those other products not the cigar products so like yep. to, at the pca and i'm not i hope this doesn't come off the wrong way i'm not trying to be exclusive of people you know but um when you're in the same products you have a lot more things that you know you'll typically have in common and things like that you, you at least have the common den- denominator of what you're talking about yeah um and you know these are some very different industries yeah while you are going to have some common items that you could you know key on um you know, there it, there is a bit of a different demographic with yep. some of the people that are there, so that you may not, yep. you know, the the amount of people that you may kind of uh, come in contact with and interact with may kind of be smaller for our group. Sure, no, I get that as well. I get that as well. Um, so you guys primarily go there for relationship building. That's kind of what you guys have done, right? Yeah, and that's kind of what we do for, with PCA as well. Yep. Um, it's it's relationship building. Um, it's learning about the products. Um, it's getting the vibe of the show, and then it's uh, being able to do our recap um, yep. after the fact. So, yep. 
I, I don't, nobody's actually said this to me, but I think I've, you know, I feel I've gotten the feeling at times like you know, people wonder what we're doing there. Um, but, you know, just because we're not doing like live coverage or. Well, I think that's you know, totally fine, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we go as media and we I think we still participate as media. I mean, we are learning about the product yeah. so that we are informed when we are right. doing our reviews and our video right. recaps. And then when we do our recap show and we bring in people from uh the events and we're you know we're, we're promoting the events and the industry i think you know it, it that's that's how we choose to do it um yeah. we're, you know we're not a coverage team that's going to go out there and like you know give you all the information right away or once we you know once we get back to the hotel room or anything like that that's just not the the way mm -hmm. we cover but yeah. I, i'm not that's not to take away the coverage that anybody else does like everybody right. sh you know should do what they feel like they're comfortable mm -hmm. with that they feel yeah. is going to be good ROI for them, all those things. So yeah. that's just kind of ours. And, um, you know, you'll see, you know, half the guys are going to be there. Um, I don't think their coverage is as um, timely as when they're at PCA. They're more of, you know, that's definitely more because there's not a ton of, there's not a ton of new stuff um, to, to do that kind of with. So I think that their yeah. coverage is not as like immediate um yeah so, but they'll do their normals their normal stuff and uh you know i'm not sure what other media what media other media groups are attending so i'm not sure what yeah kind of coverage you'll see you know i was kind of that was my next question what what, what do we what, what can we expect for this i mean i thought because <laughs> i'll just say this from our point of view so we, when we were talking about possibly sending someone else to tpa right um we were it was a tough one because like we do that we do the you know we do the the deep coverage at the trade show we just didn't see a need to do it tw twice a year right and for us like i don't you haven't done this this video stuff it is a ton <laughs> of work after i bet yeah like and and so we couldn't really just like same thing you're not really going to do booth write-ups or anything like that so it, it is a tough one the roi just we didn't see was there not that it's yeah. a bad show I, so i think if those guys had gone it would have been in a similar capacity right. um like to, to what developing pallets is doing relationships thing. I see I think it's key for John. I think John's a key guy. You too, because you know you, you don't have the access to the people that we have in the East. Right. And John's certainly not in Canada. Yeah. So this is his this is a real important part I think for him to get FaceTime and yeah. And you know you, you can ask questions without necessarily having to worry about getting it into a write up or a video. Right. I, I mean I'm yeah. just I know the dojo guys aren't going this year. Yeah. I know they're not going. Um but I don't know who else. Is. I think Matt Tobacco's going. I'm not sure if the, how about that cigar guys are going or not. I think uh, Garrett, Garrett Garrett's there for sure because he's working. Garrett will there for his, sure. Yeah, yeah, he'll have. But um, you know this this shows uh, the flow is a lot lower than at PCA. So yeah. if a a media entity wanted to go in there and do like more like fun interviews, I think there's a lot of bandwidth for that available. Sure, it's um, a little. So you could, you yeah. know, it could be a lot more. Uh, I'm not sure what the word is. Uh, not as formal. Like you could really go in there and have, have fun. Um, you yep. know, there's not a ton of product to cover. Um, sometimes there's, you know, there's really, there's some slow times uh, at the show. So, you know, you could go in there and do some just, you know, not, not traditional stuff that you would do maybe at the PCA trade show. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, there was another company I'm actually really interested in seeing. It was the new La Aurora U.S. company. I think they're going to be mm -hmm. there. And I'm, I was really okay. curious to see what that presence was going to be like this year, right. too. 
Yeah. Um, because they're kind of get they're kind of going full born back into this. Um, they're re-releasing a cigar, uh, the Hordage. Yeah. It's not a new cigar, it's just a re-release they're doing. But but I'm more curious to see their team there. And uh I know Ed McKenna, who's the CEO for a while. Right. Um, I don't know if he'll be a pro cigar. I'm imagine he'll be a TPE. I mean, that's where I would yeah. imagine he would be. Right. And they'll leave the factory to the factory people. So I don't yeah. think I'll see him there. But I'm kind of curious to see what that I know Fuente's going this year too, but mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's more their sales teams. Right. Yeah. Um, because I, I think Fuente, I think I know Carlito's tied up with Pro Cigar. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. So I'm curious with that. Um my last question is to you. Do you think the future of this cigar is premium cigars or not? I mean, they've, they've, they've made an effort the last four or five years to do it, but now I'm just wondering, is this, are they going to continue on this trajectory? Yeah, it's, a, it's hard to tell for me. Um, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think one of the big draws was to try to get, you know, try to get cigars into these other retailers uh, yeah. view. Um so it may just depend on some of those things, you know, maybe some of these retailers are going to probably, may, maybe they lean more towards uh, infused or flavored cigars rather than traditional. Right. And if the states, if these flavor bands keep rolling around, maybe that lessens the likelihood that they can bring something like that in. So I think there's, it's, I think it's too early to tell um, to see what that looks like. Um, you know, I think there's, I think there's a small grouping of people that, don't like that scar companies are going to this show because of all the other stuff that's at this show. Right. And it, it kind of links them to it in a way. So, you know, I don't know if there might be something like that, that maybe builds up and kind of get, goes further along. I, I, I really don't know, but yep. so far this show has grown for the premium cigar side the last few years. Um, so it, it's, it's in a growth pattern. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree on all those takes with that. You know, I always wonder if they, you know, I actually wondered if they expanded this to total product with, you know, there's a lot of rumors going that the trade show is going to move earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. And it's going to change a lot of things if that happens Yeah, uh, for TP. So maybe they're kind of looking at this. Um, And I just don't know, if the, you know, the growth of it, but they do have the big four there. So, right. Um, which PCA, I don't think there's any signs of that happening right now. So, yeah. Um, I mean, so I'm kind of curious to see what that happens. Um, I'm, you know, with that. So that that's always interesting to see with that. But I, I don't know what the future is with this. But uh, I do think, like I said, I've been there once. Um, and hopefully I'll get to go next year. Yeah. But um, it's uh, I I thought it was a well-run show. I always thought it was a well-run show. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's an easy. It's a pretty easy show to attend, at least for me, since I'm very close. Um, you know, they're very uh, hospitable in regards to helping with the hotels. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. yeah it's, they do. They make they. You know, when I was there, they would they were they were coming up to me asking me as media if everything was okay, if I needed everything. Yeah. I think I talked about when uh, Antoine Antoine Reed helped with the Carl Malone interview while he was doing his thing at the show. He, right. He took time, you know, so they, you know, things like that were very much appreciated. Yeah. Um, And, you know, sometimes I'm critical of the, of TPE, but it's not the show I'm critical of. It's, I think it's the approach that, you know, it's kind of, I, I want to see kind of like more PCA stuff there, you know, I guess. So, right. so that, that's where my, it's, it's more on the companies I put more on with that. Yeah. 
But at the same time, I don't know if a lot of companies could do two major shows, you know, two product launches like that. Right. There's only a handful of companies that are able to have the bandwidth to do that. So it's a little unfair to do that. Yeah, I yep. agree. Yep. So uh, you're going to have a recap show? Um, yes. Monday the 27th, we will have a uh, TPE recap show. Um, uh -huh. It will be a panel show as we've done the last yep. uh, couple times. Um, I'm still working on one more guest, but I can share who's going to be on it. It will be John and myself uh, that are attending the show. Yep. Uh, Mike Shepankevich from Cigar Hustler will be Media. on the panel. Uh, and Steve Saka from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust will be on oh, the panel. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm still working on one more, maybe another retailer um, to be on there. So, um, you know, good. I, I want to have yep. that good mix again so we can kind of take it on from all angles. So, Yep. I will still be in Miami that day. Okay. My trip got extended a couple of days. All <laughs> so, right. All so right. I'll be in Miami that day. I'm, I'm curious to watch. I'm not doing the live cut-ins because I'm going to be a pro cigar. So it right. says that I can't do it. So yeah. um, at that point, it's like, you know, there won't be that this year on Coop. But that's just, there'll be, hopefully there'll be some pro cigar interviews. I actually scheduled, I'm going to be at the, uh, they call the field day this year, which I've never mm -hmm. gone to. It's kind of more of a relaxed day, and that's where you get access to the manufacturer. So if there's any interviews I do, they'll be audio only. Right. I'm not going to fumble with a camera myself, Yeah. Um, nor do I want to drag all that equipment down. So uh, it will be very simple audio interviews, and there will be short ones. And I, I submitted a list of 10 names, and I don't even know how many I'll get, if any. So, yeah. Yeah. so we'll see with that. But yeah, so but, but I won't be doing any live cut-ins this year. So I'm glad you'll be doing the recap show. Yep. Um, and uh, – who knows? Maybe we'll be watching from Caribbean that night. There you go. So, uh, so it'll be good. So, yeah, just a reminder, no show next week, everyone. Um, and then we'll be back in two weeks uh, with the Abe DeBabna uh, book tour. So yes. <laughs> we're going to try to do a, a couple of things a little different with that. I got to still plan some things out with that. But uh, so uh, we are going. Uh, by the way, uh, it looks like uh, members of the Coop team are going to the Great Smoke this year. So um, Oh, nice. Yeah, Nielsen, I think, now is going. So, uh it, uh, we are doing Airbnb in Miami this year for the first time. Cool. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. So, <laughs> um, so uh, ben, ben and me are driving. So, uh, uh -huh. and, uh, so Bear will be flying in. And Nielsen looks like now he's very interested. Oh, in the coming. whole so, team. Yeah. So uh, I think these guys want to just. Uh, they. I think you know what. I think we kind of since we're not doing. Uh, tpe we want that more relaxed kind of get yep. together which yep. we don't we've never had that sure pca is a lot of work so yeah so we'll have that yeah so coming up oh. with that um nice. and and then uh we have a couple more shows in uh march that are already booked so mm -hmm. um but yeah i leave tomorrow for uh florida nice. i'm leaving tomorrow afternoon so i'm uh yep so catch that all right uh again let's uh thanks to we went long tonight thanks for nick malolo yeah. Uh, as well uh, good show with him thanks to our audience that's gonna wrap up prime time episode 257 into the annals of history for thursday february 16th now friday february 17th on the east coast happy birthday to my daughter kayla who turns 31 today um and we'll see everybody next time take care everybody see you guys <laughs>